From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It is seven minutes past the hour, and someone please tell me, how did it become... How did it become September? Oh, my goodness. How is tomorrow Labor Day weekend? How did this happen? All right. I have two co-lead opening items, and we have a jam-packed great program in store for you. Seth Grossman will join us next hour. John Zarek in the 8 o'clock hour. And Michael Harrison, as maybe you've never known him before, as a full-fledged band member of the group Gun Hill Road, which even if you don't remember Gun Hill Road from 1971 and their Billboard Hot 100 hit, Back When My Hair Was Short, if you heard the song, you'd know the group. And I can't wait to share the story with you about what Michael is doing. All right, so co-lead items. Let's start with the President of the United States. He will deliver a primetime address tonight outside of Philadelphia's Independence Hall. Here's you really don't have to watch it because I'm telling you what's going to happen. President Biden will squint. He will read a teleprompter badly. He will yell at Americans and trash one half of all Americans who he now calls semi-fascists. This is the most divisive president of our lifetime, maybe in history. You tell me a time in history, maybe the Civil War. I don't know because the country was ripped right down the middle. But you tell me a time in American history where the president of the United States and other key Democrats, they're not going after candidates that are running against their candidates. They're trashing the American people. I, I, look, I've been at this a long time. I don't, I don't remember this ever happening. In fact, people who were running for office or in office, they were afraid to attack voters because they're always counting. Oh, if I say this or I say that, look what's going to happen here. Now they are just saying things like MAGA Republicans are semi-fascists. Another candidate for governor in Georgia saying that she lives in the worst state. Georgia is the worst state in America. Who says that? Said Jack Chitterelli. Channeling through Harry Hurley. Who says if you voted for Ron DeSantis, I don't want your vote. Who does that? Who says that? That was Charlie Crist. And who am I leaving out? You've got Biden with the fascists, Charlie Crist. I feel like I'm leaving one of of the hit members out, the the um the, the beautiful people. I feel like I'm leaving one out. There is one more. I'll think of it. 
you can tell I don't write this stuff down. It's extemporaneous. I know what I'm going to talk about, but I don't, I don't write it down. I don't have a teleprompter, you see. Which I can promise you, if I read a teleprompter, I wouldn't read it the way this guy does. Whew, boy, he's bad. Awful. Who is that? Who is that other one that trashed? Oh, oh, of course. Kathy Hochul, who told Republicans, get out of New York. You don't belong here. You don't believe in our values. Get out. Go to Florida, she said. This is their strategy. Their strategy to win the midterm elections is to trash half of America. And there's no doubt about it. They all conspired to do all this Rumpelstiltskin raid President Trump's home, all this stuff to make all of that. But here's the good news. Herschel Walker leads Raphael Warnock. That had not been the case before, allegedly. You know how shaky these polls are anyhow. If a Republican's winning, you're really winning. And Oz has made up a lot of ground. Look, no offense, and I've been very compassionate. I've written a few pieces about actually Oz and Fetterman and some of the things happening in Pennsylvania and in Philadelphia. And I I wish him a long, healthy life. I wish him to get well. But if you're too sick to debate... You're too unwell to be a United States senator. Sorry. Now, I know we are living in suspension of disbelief. In the land of make-believe toys. But come on. When is enough enough? He's getting away without debating? Because he's too sick? Then he's blaming Oz for the fact that he's sick? It's what all these Democrats do. I call it transference, whatever they are guilty of. Biden is talking about all these haters and things. Have you listened to this guy? Yelling and screaming and trashing half of America. And then they blame you for it. It's like the abuser who blames you. For how he has to beat you up. Look what you made me do. These are sick people. Gotta tell you. Very, very sick. Now, my co-headliner will have to wait until after the break, but it's a doozy. And let me tell you something. If this is not an example of democratic socialism, which is 100% guaranteed to fail each and every time, it can only be propped up for a certain period of time before it collapses. And then you become Venezuela. Every time. It, it, there is no other outcome other than complete, utter, total devastation, ruination. I'll back it up in just a few minutes because I am early in the morning. The law offices of John Zarek. Hi, it's Mark Levin. Join me this evening at 6. Now back to Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio, 95.5 FM, 1450 AM. South Jersey's talk station. Thank you very much. Great one. 18 minutes past the hour. Before we get to this um, case study of it's really beyond any dispute. Now, I know I know the the nut. Socialist Democrats, the liars who lie about lying, 
they'll dispute anything. But somebody's got to tell Joe Biden, maybe even before he gets all angry tonight and starts yelling at everybody and, and trashing half the country, maybe a little lesson from Sylvester Stallone. I think he was telling his son in Balboa, Rocky Balboa, I believe is the name of the movie. And Stallone should have gotten the Academy Award for it. He did get the Golden Globe and he was the the front runner for the Academy Award, but they didn't give it to him. But he said something like, the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much can you take and keep moving forward? That's how winning is done. Quote, end quote, Rocky Balboa. And in fact... Sylvester Stallone will be in Atlantic City tomorrow. All right, now to my my second co-lead item for the day, because this is, I, I quote him anytime I can, to quote the late, great Tom Hurley, this is a beaut. At uh, about 12 hours ago, so I guess it was right about 6.19-ish p.m. last night, I wrote whacked California logic and the philosophy of radical socialist Democrat governance at work here. California will force you to buy only an electric vehicle. And that's in the very near future. In like three years, they want to take cut down gasoline vehicles by a third. And then a few years after that. By more than two thirds and then by whatever it is, 2035, all gone. But yesterday they told all Californians not to charge their electric vehicles. So do you see why Democrat socialism is so bad for our country and why it doesn't work? Now, think about the insanity of that. They don't have nearly the number of electric vehicles that this legislation would require them to do. And then, of course, you have two other idiot states following and saying, yeah, we're not going to look at the details. We're just whatever you're doing. We're going to do the same thing. Two whole states are following along. Massachusetts, I think, and somewhere else. How do you not even look into it? How do you not look into look at what goes into this? The strip mining, all of the heavy equipment. Now, are these fools so dumb that they don't know that the heavy equipment that mines all these minerals and things that they need, cobalt and all these different things that they need to make these cars, that that equipment is powered by diesel fuel? Are they that stupid? And it, and look... I I have believed in alternative energy, and I've been an alternative energy practitioner for a decade now. I love it. I love doing my monthly report and, and reporting on the number of kilowatts 
that I'm generating. I love it. But I know it's only a alternative. It's it's not it's not the solution. Now imagine they're telling people not to charge your car. Now what do you what if you got to go somewhere? What are you talking about? And the very hours that they tell you you can't charge is really exactly when you would be charging your car. They're they're just completely ridiculous. You can only have an electric car and you can't charge your car. Okay, then what do I have? A paperweight? A very expensive, large paperweight? So that, if it wasn't for the president yelling at everybody and doing all that in the speech he's going to give tonight. Listen to this guy talking about the soul of the nation. Give me a break. This guy's not even halfway there. He's not even half home. The soul of the nation coming from this this guy. That lies just for a living. You know, I saw a report. And I thought I had it in my phone. Give me a second here. Yeah, I got a few minutes here. Hold on a second. I hope I can find this. Let me just do a quick little search. Biden vacation. See if it pops up. That'd be beautiful. It did. Yeah, that was enough. I sent myself a um, a reminder. Biden has been off 40% of the time since he's been president. I, I want his job. I want I want I want that job. Number one, I know I could do better because you can't do worse. So that's not being conceited or off putting or ridiculous. I know I could do better because I would actually show up. This guy is off 40 percent of the time. What I have to do to just take a day or two off is exhausting. Oh, I want to take a day off. Oh, you got to work twice as hard to take a day off. This guy's just off all the time. New York Post had a great piece on this. President Biden spending 40% of his days in office on quote vacation. You do know he did he was away for 2 thirds of August. Just gone. So when you count every weekend cuz they shut the place down by 12 noon on Friday. You do understand that, right? And, and nobody reports this because the, he's a, a witness protection person. The media just doesn't report the truth about him. They lie for him. I saw this piece the other day that said he really gets being president. Oh, he really gets it. And they were just like gushing. I'm thinking, what? what, what? Come on, just stop it already. Nobody believes this crap. 234 days. Seven in 10 of them spent at his homes in Wilmington and Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. That's 234 days out of 589 days in office. Wow. Isn't that isn't that amazing? And he gets no grief for it. And Trump never took off. This guy is just a workaholic. I know it. I've seen it. 
and he would get trashed for it. Wow. Ronald McDaniel said, quote, voters want Republicans who actually show up to work to dig America out of Biden's recession, secure the southern border and put an end to reckless spending of taxpayer dollars. Quote, soon Democrats will be able to join join Biden on his weekly vacations when Americans vote them out in less than 70 days. The 19-month tally of Biden trips trips was assembled and is consistent with other independent journalistic counts. Really special stuff here. Imagine that, though. Every Friday at 12 noon, they put a lid on the White House. And away they go. And I'm telling you, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's vitamins, if it's experimental, whatever, but something, something goes on here. I don't know what it is. I I guess someday we're going to find it out. I don't know. I read a piece about uh, 3.30 this morning uh, from Pennsylvania Republican gubernatorial nominee Doug Mastriano. And he was blasting President Biden because of the name calling. I mean, we've got some serious problems. We have extremely high inflation. We still have a challenged, if not broken, supply chain. The cost of everything is astronomical. I don't believe this eight point whatever it is, 5% inflation. Go find something that's only up by eight, eight and a half, whatever percent. Everything is up enormously. Is that is it 8.5% when gas was $2 a gallon and it's still four? And if you use the higher octane, it's still 460. Some states much worse than that. Look at the price of anything, chicken, anything. When we go to do our orders and things, Margie calls out these prices, and it's just you can't believe your eyes. One day, I forget what it was, but it was like next to nothing, three little tiny nothing burgers, and it was like $18. We didn't get it. I said, come on, we don't need that. Mastriano said, Pennsylvania holds the key. Under my administration, we are going to unleash the energy potential of our state and help not only our citizens, but our nation get back on its feet. Quote, the bottom line is that what we stand for is individual freedom. I love it. He said, but if you want freedom restored and power put back in your hands, then I am the guy. And that's where sometimes this uh, cognitive dissonance comes in because people willingly whistle their way to voting against their own self-interest. I don't know why. I would never do that. If I'd like somebody, but I don't like their policies, I'd say, hey, listen, um, hey, let's be friends, but I just don't agree with you. I think your philosophy is radical. 
but I like you. I just don't. And I wish we could get back into that business. But now, and it's led by the Democrats, they hate the other side. I mean, listen to the things they say. It's really, really bad. I'm not going to watch this speech tonight. I have no interest in it. I'll put a movie in. I'm, I'm hoping maybe maybe tonight. No, well, maybe the Yankees have a day off. This this West trip is very bad for my schedule. I did wake up for a little bit, and the Yankees were winning two to nothing. And then I woke up again, and they had lost three to two. Otani beat them twice with three run home runs, I think, each time. Aaron Judge is on a record-setting pace. He's at 51 home runs with, I think, around 30 games left. He could he could do this. He's got to hit a home run about one every three games. And I think he's just about right there, and he's got it. 61 is the record, not any of that other stuff, as far as I'm concerned. So if Judge gets it, I will celebrate. Uh And I saw some amazing stats. Very few people have had multiple seasons with 50 home runs. Judge has now done it twice. Mickey Mantle and I think Babe Ruth are the only other Yankees. It's amazing. Uh, Yeah, I said Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth. Very rarefied. Roger Maris hit 61, but he did it one time. And if I remember correctly... He followed up with a not-so-good year the next year. I'd love to see Aaron Judge get at least 62. I think that would be fantastic. He's got to stay. I mean, they're not pitching him uh, generously at all. They, They give him almost nothing to hit. It's typical for him to walk twice a game minimum. He's also very good at... um taking counts deep takes a lot of pitches I, I, I said this once several months back I've never seen and I've watched baseball my entire life I love baseball I've never seen someone have as many three and two counts as Aaron Judge has just have never seen it we've got to go to break we'll be back in just a little bit it's early in the morning on South Jersey's Number one news talk radio station. That's right. Again and again, all because of you. And we thank you for it. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. At 33 minutes past the hour, Harry Hurley with three stories that you can follow on our WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. This was fun and it took me over three hours to put together. So I hope you'll take a moment and read it. It won't take you but a few minutes, but I love doing it. History was made 40 years ago in Summers Point. We have the story. Atlantic City says goodbye to a great citizen and a former Atlantic County employee. And another day. And yes, another shooting in Atlantic City. 
From the Town Square, New Jersey, Info and Weather Network, I'm Chris Coleman for Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. On this first day of September, we're reminded that there isn't much summertime left. In fact, we're less than three weeks away from the sun setting before 7 o'clock. But for today, lots of sunshine, rather warm, a bit breezy with a high of 88. Clear tonight, refreshing with a low of 58. Sunshine returns for tomorrow and Saturday with highs both days around 86. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's number one talk station. Thank you all because of you, and we know it. <laughs> I had a bunch of of uh, messages I checked during the break about both of the, the um, items that we covered, the president's speech uh, tonight and also California asking residents not to charge their electric vehicles. Really, um, I know it's 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 almost impossible to believe, but it's it's all true. It's all really happening for now. And remember, now we did tell you it was going to get really crazy at the end. The media would lie. They would all get together. I said I didn't know exactly what they would come up with. I mean, I didn't know they would raid president trump's home i mean administrative paperwork that's always been bickered back and forth between outgoing presidents and the national archives and of course uh special circumstances special rules uh if you're trump i mean that's the reality look at look at what other people have done this um should not inspire confidence i'll tell you more when we have more time, because there's a few other things I want to share with you this hour. But an individual by the name of Nicole Flax is the new top official at the IRS. And I have been reading a bunch of reliable reports that say that she in the past targeted conservatives and the Tea Party movement uh, in the past. So once again, there are no coincidences. Everything happens. The raid happened because they wanted it to happen when they wanted it to happen. Think about it. 70, 80 days before the most consequential election, maybe, in American history, if not since the Civil War. And this is happening so that they can talk all about that. And they get Republicans saying, oh, you know, we don't want it to be all about Trump. They want Republicans fighting with one another. They have to change the subject. The subject cannot be what they've done to the economy over the past two years and to and to people's lives. It can't be. So Nicole Flax, not picked by accident, just like the people in the FBI that got put on these different investigations, they're putting exactly who they want on these different matters. Former President Trump's attorneys filed a new motion yesterday renewing its call. This this hearing is going to take place today for a special master. Let's see what happens. The judge was inclined to grant it. The government is pushing back uh, forcefully and saying, hey, look, we've seen it all, all this stuff anyhow. Then, Then who does this? They laid out laid out all this stuff on the floor. What's that supposed to make people think like that's how Trump kept 
all this paperwork scattered all over the place. They've never been in his office. They've never seen how organized he is. There's no mess anywhere where he's associated. Everything has a place. And stuff is put away. And they knew where the, I don't care what they say. They knew where this stuff was. They asked for a second lock to be put on. There was no emergency. Now what are we going to have to listen to? That that secrets were secrets that could have ended the republic. But of course, Hillary, no media intellectual curiosity about any of the stuff that she was doing with her off the book server and everything else. I agree with this um, assertion. Quote, the president, through his lawyer, says, quote, left unchecked, the Department of Justice will impugn, leak, and publicize selective aspects of their investigation with no recourse. So they're basically saying you can't trust that there's any self-restraint within the Department of Justice. I mean, they're leaking like crazy. Look at all these stories that they've been leaking to the media. I'm a fan of Alan Dershowitz, and it's not because of what he's saying now. It's because the man has been utterly consistent. Now, the left loved him when he would basically say the same thing whether it was Obama, Bill Clinton, it wouldn't matter. As long as you are defending a Democrat, all is well. If you defend the circumstances, because he really doesn't defend Trump, he defends the circumstances surrounding these things that are going on. We'll give you the latest from Alan Dershowitz when we come back. Seth Grossman will join us in about 20 minutes. We'll be talking about Richard Summers. It's been pretty much... I can't remember the last year we didn't do this. We have provided an hour to Seth, I believe, for a number of years now uh, to talk about Richard Summers because Richard Summers used to be taught in school until Richard Summers got canceled. It's crazy, isn't it? Thank God you haven't seen anything like we've got to take down the name Summers Point. Summers can't, can't exist. I mean, this canceling of people, places, things, I am, I don't care what it is. I was against all this canceling of the Confederate statues, not because I celebrate them, but because it's a part of our history and we should keep all of that. Seth will explain, I, I, I can't process how someone at the young age did what he did uh, very consequential young man. And why why should he be canceled? Think about it. I mean, they, they pick and choose whoever they are. You know, you know who they are. You know the thing. But they get to decide George Washington should be canceled. Thomas Jefferson should be canceled. Canceled. And then, of course, if it's somebody they want to protect, then you have them weaponize the Department of Justice, the FBI. Now now we've learned everything we always knew was true, 
the FBI was shilling for the Bidens, spiking the Hunter Biden stuff, propagating pure lies that it was Russian fakery, when in fact it's all true. But of course, they got away with it, didn't they? We'll be back in just a little bit. Don't go away. After Seth, we have John Zarek. And after John Zarek, we have Michael Harrison, the founder, the editor, the publisher of Talkers Magazine, the Bible of talk radio and the new talk media. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Hi, it's Mark Lee and Van Camp. Join us later today at 1. Now back to Hurley in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, South Jersey's talk station. Thank you very much. Welcome back. 53 minutes past the hour. Well, we know that the citizen Seth Grossman is a very timely individual. He is here and we'll be hearing from him in a little over 10 minutes from now, it is a same time next year appointment. We've been doing it for many years. I I personally, as a listener, I enjoy it. I enjoy, I love learning some of my, I mean, favorite moments in school. Bill Gussie teaching history in the Ventnor City Public Schools. Any of the different history uh, courses that we took at... Um, Atlantic City High School or then Stockton State College. I love history. And I'll tell you what I really feel great about. I never had a teacher. Now, I I had one of the most liberal people that was my teacher, both at Atlantic City High School. I didn't realize it at the time. And because you're just, you know, young and we we never thought like that. It got all crazy later. And a very liberal professor that I had at Stockton. But the professor never brought it into the classroom. And that's what's missing today. All this stuff is coming into the classroom. They want to teach little children. I mean, I'm telling you, that they, they have in the curriculum things that if you did it just outside of the school grounds... You'd, you'd be locked away and you would be a Megan's List offender for the rest of your life. How do they do this stuff? And how do we let them? It's got to stop. It's so out of control. It's just unbelievable. I said right before the break, I would give you an update on constitutional law expert Alan Dershowitz. Because remember, among other things... He is a constitutional law expert. That kind of matters when you're dealing with uh, constitutional law. He said that the photo of classified materials at Mar-a-Lago that the Department of Justice attached to a 36-page motion it filed late on Tuesday night shows it is selectively editing what it releases to the public. Quote, it proves one thing, that they are cherry-picking what they release. Quote, this is classified material, and they're putting it out and giving it to our enemies because they want to, because they can. On the other hand, they redact other material. I never got into the ins or outs, but my brother said to me the other day, How are these people handling, if this is classified information, how are they handling this? Who are they? 
what what level of clearance do they have? See, I would normally say, well, we got to trust that they have only people with a certain clearance. But I don't trust these people. They have shown. Think about it. They submitted a phony, lying FISA warrant to a judge to get what they wanted. And, of course, we always knew that at the end of the day, it would all, the truth would become self-evident. But it really is unbelievable. Dershowitz said they know that the New York Times and CNN are going to show the picture without comment. You have to be willing to say, wow, this is, come on, it's staged. And they're, it's a put on. They want to make Trump look like an absolute criminal. I guess someday, I mean, when, when the truth is allowed to become self-evident, it takes four stages, as you know. Maybe at some point it's going to be, hey, you know, none of this was classified. I declassified all of it. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be a problem for these lunatic lefties? Representative James Comer, who we've had the privilege to interview on a few occasions when we fill in nationally for Fox News Radio, said that the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago is, quote, the deep state at its worst. Quote, this is terrible. This is the deep state at its worst, and something's going to have to be done about it. Well, here's what's going to be done about it. Elections. That's why we never overstate and we certainly aren't going to understate the significance of any particular election cycle. Some are more consequential than others, but they're all important, even the ones that very few people turn out for. You know, it's interesting how typically the smallest turnout used to be the April school board elections, which now have moved to November. And that would be, in many cases, 65 to even higher. I think Egg Harbor Township might be 66% of your local purpose tax is school purpose tax. And you would have this tiny little small number of people coming out and deciding who would be the members of the Board of Education. It's really remarkable when you think about it. When we come back, it'll be a Richard Summers primer with Citizen Seth Grossman, the founder and the executive director of Liberty and Prosperity. He is in the House. John Zarek will join us, join us in the 8 o'clock hour. Michael Harrison, founder, editor, publisher, Talkers Magazine. And believe it or not, and it's quite a story, and we're going to talk about it today. If you know the song, Back When My Hair Was Short, I'm not going to sing it, but you know the song. Very catchy. It was a billboard, what they called then... Hot 100, not top 100, Billboard Hot 100. I think in the year 1971, it it rose very high up on the the top 100, I believe to 40. And it's a hit for the band Gun Hill Road, which, believe it or not, Michael Harrison is a full-fledged member. A lot to talk about coming up. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a Town Square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the World's Playground. (laughs) 
to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. Welcome back. It's five minutes past the hour, and we have Citizen Seth Grossman here in studio this hour. It is a same-time next-year appointment where we devote an hour of programming here with Seth, who was the founder and the executive director of Liberty and Prosperity, to the story of Richard Summers and also, obviously, the upcoming Richard Summers event that's just a few days away. Seth, it is good to see you. Hard to believe it's been a year. It's hard to believe it's been 18 years since I've been doing this ceremony. And again, Richard Summers was once a national hero. Uh, Summers Point is not named after him. It's named after his grandfather who had the, the house up on a hill on that circle by the Ocean City Bridge. Uh, it was John Summers who decided to make a little extra money, the grandfather, uh, actually the great-grandfather, uh, by extending the road from New York, route, basically Route 9, or, or, Shore, or Shore Road, and, uh, and taking, the ro- taking that road all the way down to Cape May on Stagecoach Road. Uh, so that's, that's how these, um, the Summers family got started. But, but Richard Summers was once a national hero, such a national hero, that every school child was taught his story. Uh, there were novels, uh, there were holidays, there were, uh, it just, he was just part of the popular culture. And you, you see a few signs of it. Uh, you have uh, Tripoli Avenue, you have Tangier Avenue in, in Pleasantville, uh, the, the, the cities of the battles that he fought. You see a lot of uh, uh, names and, and places for Stephen Decatur, his boyhood friend. Uh, you see there's a town called Somers, New York. The oldest monument at the Annapolis Naval Academy is called the Tripoli Monument, uh, which was built in honor of Richard Summers. You had many um, naval warships uh, named the Summers and the Intrepid. And I have to disagree with uh, your colleague, uh, Brian Kilmeade, who, who wrote a book about the Barbary Wars, where he, he called Richard Summers uh, basically a footnote because his mission failed to do what it intended to do. But his enormous courage of, of Richard Summers in putting this operation together so inspired his men that when uh, their commanders in the U.S. Navy uh, ordered uh, America to make a, a peace treaty without winning the war, they basically went rogue and, and used money that was supposed to be used for bribes and ransom and tribute to hire a mercenary army of Marines which put the Marines uh, on the shores of Tripoli. Uh, and, and also for about 100 years or more than 100 years, the entire Islamic world, the entire Arab world, had, had fear and respect for America because of Richard Summers. And uh, Pope Pius VII uh, made a remark that the United States in its in- infancy had done more to protect Christian Europe than all the great powers of Europe for centuries. So it's a remarkable story. So what is that the reason? I'm curious about this. I love that you do this. It's it's time well spent. It deserves to be remembered to be remembered. So this is only because I want to get an answer from you. I totally agree with what you do, and I like how you do it. And I think you've taught a lot of people important history that otherwise would be forgotten. I do want to find out why what was taught 
is no longer taught. And I think you'll get to that at some point. But what is it about Richard Summers? Because you're a busy guy uh, doing a lot of things and you could be focusing and applying time to many other things. What is it about this story that is important to you? What's important to me uh, about the story really goes down to what John Zarek was ironically talking about a couple of days ago on your program. He was talking about Vladimir Putin and the Ukraine. And uh, John made a, a profound remark. He said if Vladimir Putin had the power, if he had the army, the air force and the missiles to completely destroy and take over America, he would do it because that's what he's trained to do. And the thing about Vladimir Putin is he's not like a wild, uh, evil genius like uh, an Adolf Hitler or Mussolini or Napoleon who seized power. Uh, Vladimir Putin was just an ordinary bureaucrat who was just trained to work in what was called the KGB of the Soviet Union. Uh, when that, that's Russia when it was run by the, uh, the communists. And he was just trained since childhood to believe that uh, that uh, Russia and the Communist Party were born to uh, rule the world and he should uh, make sure they have absolute power by any means necessary to have world domination. That's something that we Americans can't stand or, or can't understand because we Americans are really such a an honest, good, charitable uh, and tolerant people that we just assume that everybody else in the world is as nice and tolerant and uh, reasonable as we are. But it's not the case. There are certain evil people in the world. But here's where uh, John Zarek, uh, you know, uh, what, what he didn't mention. He didn't mention, he, he said, well, if the Putin had the power to destroy us, he would destroy us. Uh, if he had an army or navy or missiles uh, powerful enough, he'd do it. But the fact is, he does have that army. He does have that power. Because using guns and, and planes and rockets to you know, kill people and win wars, that's so old-fashioned. The modern way to destroy your enemy is not with real warfare with weapons, but with psychological warfare. Or in the language of, uh, that, that Putin grew up with, they call it ideological subversion or active measures. You don't have to kill your enemy. You don't have to shoot your enemy. You don't have to defeat your enemy on the battlefield. Yeah. Khrushchev said that decades ago. All you have to do is convince your enemy that their country is not worth fighting for, that they're living in an evil, racist, oppressive, intolerant country that should have been destroyed years ago. But that requires uh, Americans to be accomplices to that philosophy of governance. It absolutely does. And we have it on our Liberty and Prosperity website in great detail. We had the highest ranking, uh, I guess, R Russian uh, member to switch sides, a guy called Yuri Bezmenov, explained in detail. He came to this country in the 1980s and went from place to place warning Americans what was about to happen. And he was just ignored and he died young. It seems that everyone who switches sides uh, accidentally dies young, by the way. Uh, so, so, uh, so not only have they uh, succeeded in getting most Americans to, uh, to no longer think our country is worth fighting for, uh, they've gone one step better. You even get your enemy country to commit suicide. So you get your, your country to be uh, – people in your enemy country to be so disgusted with their country, so disgusted with their lives. They'll take drugs. They'll take alcohol. 
Uh, they'll stop getting married. They'll stop having children. Uh, they'll do all these crazy things that basically uh, they don't have to conquer us. They're destroying us inside. And that's where the story, that's why I no longer say that Richard Summers was forgotten. You may recall that when I started this, oh, we have a forgotten hero in Summers Point. Richard Summers did this. He's a national hero. We have all these celebrations uh, for all these events in Atlantic City with the Chamber of Commerce, with the college. Uh, but we don't have anything about Richard Summers. And, and I remember I was very naive myself. I'd come here and I said, I wonder why. I wonder is, why. Is that on purpose? Uh, or is it just that people didn't remember to remember? It could be innocent or it could be more insidious. No, I, 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 it's, over the years, it, it's become absolutely insidious. And then when you talk about what Richard Summers did and what he stood for and everything you have to learn in the Richard Summers story, it becomes obvious why he had to be canceled. Because, it, it, okay, do I, I just to say break and yeah. we'll be right back. Sure. And, and that's the point. It became obvious that he had to be canceled. And Seth will explain this uh, as the hour goes along. John Zarek is going to join us next hour. Seth mentioned John and Michael Harrison, the founder, the publisher, the editor of Talkers Magazine, uh, in an interview that is very, very different than anything we've done with Michael over the past more than a decade, 15 years that we've done interviews together. Back with Seth Grossman in just a few minutes. Sean Hannity is up. Our early in the morning timeout, and then we'll be right back. Now, here's the morning Sean Hannity update. I can tell you, he didn't spend his time since he's been out of office going into boxes and spending days and hours and weeks reading whatever materials were in the boxes. And and that's the kind of thing that you would delegate other people to do. And when they returned the 15 boxes that the National Archives and, and Records Administration wanted, I doubt he had any say whatsoever in any of that. And they're trying to make us believe that this is the biggest thing since sliced bread. They went on media reports that they're actually quoting the media mob as a justification to raid Mar-a-Lago. And it's a dispute with the National Archives and Records Administration. This is so ridiculous. But it was so broad and it was a fishing expedition. As I said from day one, I knew I was right and I've been proven right again. I wish I wasn't. Join Sean later today right here on the Sean Hannity Show. You know, the political season can be quite exhausting and you do deserve to relax. You've heard me talking about how you can turn your own backyard into an oasis with the Michael Phelps Swim Spa by Master Spas. Master Spas is having their biggest sale ever with savings of up to $2,000. Now take advantage of this offer by heading to masterspas.com. Enter the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner. That's promo code Hannity for up to $2,000 off. Just go to masterspas.com. Many families have been devastated by the toxic water at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1987. My name's Amber, and I'm an attorney at Dudley DeBosier. My father was stationed there during that time and later diagnosed with Parkinson's due to that exposure. So at Dudley DeBosier, not only do we know the law and understand how to navigate this, we're in the trenches with you. We're helping my family, and we'd like to help you. Dudley DeBosier is filing claims this week. Call 800-300-8300. That's 800-300-8300. It's early in the morning, anytime, anywhere, on the WPG Talk Radio app. Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We're back 19 minutes past the hour. Seth Grossman this hour, uh, all about Richard Summers. Seth is the founder of the 
Executive Director of Liberty and Prosperity. How many years has Liberty and Prosperity been around? 2003. So wow. uh, we're getting long in the tooth also. Wow. Good. Almost 20. Uh, in fact, now it's a time when you know Seth Grossman can't do this forever. So we're spending a lot of time getting others involved. Uh, guys like Brian Fitzherbert really has taken an interest. Uh, Paul Klepacki. Um, so, it, so we're trying to diversify and, and let this story continue. And by the way, let me not forget that this Sunday, Labor Day Sunday, uh, is September 4th. That's the day Richard Summers died in Tripoli. And as we've been doing for the past uh, 18 years, uh, we'll be having a ceremony at a, at a new park in Summers Point that's right by the library, New Jersey Avenue and Shore Road, uh, 801 Shore Road. Of course, locals will know that's across the street from Charlie's Bar, you know, the, the main uh, landmark. It'll be at 3 o'clock. We'll be having a ceremony there. And I want to thank Ken Blankenbuehler of the AMVETS post 9-11. They'll be providing the color guard. Uh, there'll be Molly Puglis uh, will be singing the national anthem and, and hopefully Columbia Gem of the Ocean. Uh, there'll be a, a, a short play, uh, actually a dramatic reading written by Linda Sievert, a, a local playwright. And the artist who, who did the mural uh, that tells the whole Richard Summers story in painting, which is absolutely brilliant, Marianne Cannon will be there to explain her painting. And I just want to mention that all of this was made possible because of Sally Hastings of Summers Point, uh, a retired school teacher who really embraced the Richard Summers story more than I did. And she was responsible for getting the mural painted. She was responsible for getting the statue of Richard Summers in that park. She was even responsible for getting uh, Somers, New York, named after Richard Summers to send elected officials and people down uh, to participate in our ceremony. And we sorely, sorely miss her, but we've got to continue in her honor. And I've got to thank Greg Sakura, who uh, he and his family, his late father, made some very, very generous donations to make this possible. So it's 3 o'clock uh, at that Richard Summers Park. Not the, uh, it's not the grandfather's or great-grandfather's mansion on the hill by the circle. It's actually by City Hall, by the library, by Charlie's Bar. So please come to the right location. And uh, to help pay for all this and to pay for the ads and the publicity, we're having a uh, reception right after the ceremony at the Sal's Coal Fire Pizza. So I want to get the, the basics there. Yeah, I think it's so, important. How about before you get into the key details of Richard Summers' story, why, and maybe it's within it, but why, how did Richard Summers get canceled? Well, you have to understand that, that history uh, has become propaganda, just, be, just like our news has become propaganda. And let me tell you how propaganda works. If you go to any computer... Uh, to look at the Microsoft summary of the news, the Bing news, the AOL news, uh, the Google news, uh, you'll notice that nothing is a story unless it promotes an agenda. And the agenda is that America is evil and violent. Anyone who defends America is evil and violent. Republicans, uh, uh, Christians, Trump supporters... Uh, anybody who is not on the woke Democrat side is just evil and rotten. And therefore, any story that uh, makes uh, Republicans look good is not news. It's not like they put a different spin on it. It's just not there. It doesn't exist. Do you think, Seth, we've reached a new low where actually the president of the United States, other key Democrats as well, they now they don't only go after 
the candidate of the opposite party, they're now trashing the American people. Have you seen that before? That has been going on for about four or five years. Terrible. Actually, it's been going on for 50 years. But escalating. But but it has escalated uh, to the point that the uh, woke Democrat media uh, and and the whole, you know, the whole, whole, I guess, organization, which is the the professors at the colleges and the, the, the Hollywood movies and the TV specials, the whole culture is all promoting this narrative that everything about traditional America is evil, everything about uh, you know, woke Democrats or what they call progressives is good. So what they've done is exactly what the Germans and the Nazis did to the Jews uh, in the 1920s and 1930s. Uh, they're doing to uh, Republicans, Christians, whites, uh, conservatives, anyone who they think is in their way. So when you talk about the Holocaust, yes, they, they started actually rounding up and shooting people and putting people into ovens in the 1940s. But that was only after uh, 10 to 15 years of intensive propaganda showing that these people were evil. Uh, they were causing every problem. There's no reason for them to be allowed to exist. And that's how dangerous it is getting. So you see what they're doing with the news. So it used to And remember, be- these prominent Democrats came out and talked about how conservatives and Republicans and such will, should be sent to re-education camps. Well, that's, well that's, that's to begin with. Yeah. But if we don't get re-educated, I mean, they are generating real, real hatred uh, against us. And again, the way they do it is... They say uh, we're uh, the haters. Uh, 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 right. It, it, it is, is not by slanting stories, but just that any positive story uh, that that doesn't make Democrats look good or makes Republicans look bad. It's not like they distort the story or slant the story. It just does not exist. And so everything that they've done in the news, they've done it on steroids with history. Because when they do something on the news and they say somebody is evil, if they're not evil, at least when they're alive, they could talk back and defend themselves. If you've been dead for 200 years... (laughs) (laughs) They just cancel you. Yeah, you're you're just gone. And and that's uh, what happened to Richard Summers. So Richard Summers did not own slaves. Uh, Richard Summers did not uh, mistreat women. Richard Summers uh, did not not, uh, fight any Indians or Native Americans, but he's canceled anyway. And why is he canceled? And I'll just tell parts of the story of Richard Summers, and it becomes obvious why he was canceled. Uh, the first part of the Richard Summers story is when America won its independence after a an eight-year war with England. Uh, we had an army. We had a navy. As soon as we get our independence, what's the first thing Americans do? We uh, George Washington goes back to his farm, completely disbands the army, except for a couple of token soldiers, completely, absolutely destroys every single ship in the navy. So America has low taxes. Uh, We have all this opportunity because we're spending nothing on the military. And Americans say we're a peaceful people. We have no claims on anybody else. Nobody else has any claims against us. So we should live in peace and harmony with the whole world. Why do we need an army or navy? So for 13 years, we didn't have one. And what happened? Did it get us peace? No. What happened is Americans are attacked all over the world. First by these Barbary pirates in North Africa who would just attack any American ship they could see, uh, seize the ship, uh, seize everything in the ship, 
round up the uh, crew and the passengers and sell them into slavery unless a lifetime of slavery unless within about a, a couple of months somebody would ransom or bribe uh, to get them back. Uh, in other words, you had and, a, and yeah. we, we paid regularly like that, correct? Not only did America pay regularly, but for the first 13 years, 10% of the federal budget was paid as bribes or tribute uh, to these Barbary, we called the Barbary Pirates of North Africa. Four cities. Uh, it, was, uh, it was Morocco, Tangier, Algiers, Algeria, Tunis, Tunisia, and Tripoli, which is now Libya. Which led to the doctrine that we don't negotiate with terrorists, correct? Uh, after 13 years, we did it because everybody else did that. But what we found out, the more we paid... They would, they, they would use the money to buy more sophisticated weapons, faster ships, and take more people. Yeah. So eventually, Americans said, millions for defense, but not one cent for tribute. And, and it's, it's actually funny. We well, took, we were paying for them to ramp up. Yes. And, and, and so in, in, in George Washington's last year as president, he said, all right, we're going to take all the money that we're paying in tribute. We're not going to pay a nickel anymore, and we're going to use that money to build a navy instead. And 20-year-old Richard Summers uh, and his school buddy, uh, Stephen Decatur, first to join the Navy at age 20. Wow. What a story. Uh, so so I, I don't know when the breaks We've got are. about a minute. All, all right. So, so, uh, so, so of course, when, so how does a 20-year-old get to be a, a naval commander? Yeah. And, and, and that goes back to the America back then. So Richard Summers had an eighth grade education. In other words, he starts school at about eight years old. He's finished by 16. Mm. Uh, in those eight years, he masters reading, writing, literature, history, uh, learns Latin, Greek, uh, basic science, basic mathematics. And this is what you learned when you finished school at 16 years old. And it was not just Richard Summers. It was his whole generation. But then what do you do? He when learned you, things you could really put to good use. Right. And he learned it. Uh, you know, he learned more than anyone coming out of college would, would learn today. But at 16, now you have to learn a useful trade. And every American would master a, a useful trade by age 18. So, so for the two years after school, Richard Summers is learning how to take sailing ships from New York to Philadelphia. So by the time he joins the Navy, he's already uh, has a completed education he has uh, uh, mastered uh, steamship, and, and when you take a ship with no GPS, no weather report, no yeah. AccuWeather, I mean, uh, you had to pay a crew, you had to feed a crew, you had to discipline a crew. Uh, at age uh, 18, he was in command of, of uh, merchant ships uh, with 18 people. Now he joins the Navy. Uh, he gets on-the-job training fr fighting the French pirates of the Caribbean uh, right out of that Disney ride. Uh, America surprised the world by really crushing the French Navy in two years with with young officers who are 20, 21 years old. By time Richard Summers is sent to fight the Barbary pirates, uh, he is now 25 years old. He's in command of a ship, the Nautilus, with a crew of 103 people uh, and guns. Uh, and he just sails from uh, Annapolis to Spain. Uh, with no modern navigation equipment, and then he went and fought battle after battle over there, uh, and he's appointed to uh, be master commandant. So the story of Richard Summers is here you have these Americans, uh, young people leaving home, making lives for themselves, 
And uh, at such a young age, uh, you know, we, we have, you know, 30 something sitting in their parents' basement who who couldn't even begin. So it really inspires you how great America was at that time. That's a very good point. You look at the difference between the jobs people had then and the young age that they held these incredible positions. And George Washington, Ben Franklin, they all had the same story. That was the America that we had. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Halftime break. We'll continue with Seth Grossman, our annual discussion uh, about the Richard Summer story. And a reminder, the event is on Sunday. That's September 4th. Hard to believe it is September. We'll be right back. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. And this is Harry Hurley at 31 minutes past the hour with three stories that you can follow on our WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. I had so much fun. It took me three hours this morning. But when we started putting the content together a few days ago, history was made 40 years ago in Summers Point. We have a fun story. Check it out on the app. Atlantic City says goodbye to a great citizen and a former Atlantic County employee. And yes, another day and another shooting in Atlantic City. From the Town Square, New Jersey, Info and Weather Network, I'm Chris Coleman for Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. On this first day of September, we're reminded that there isn't much summertime left. In fact, we're less than three weeks away from the sun setting before 7 o'clock. But for today, lots of sunshine, rather warm, a bit breezy with a high of 88. Clear tonight, refreshing with a low of 58. Sunshine returns for tomorrow and Saturday with highs both days around 86. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Sean Hannity this afternoon at 3. Now, early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We are back 37 minutes past the hour. Seth, time is yours. Well, I, I mentioned how after Richard Summers mastered his trade of being the skipper of a ship uh, and completed uh, eight years of education, which, which taught him more than most college graduates learn today. If America was not getting attacked, what kind of life would he have looked forward to? And that's when we learned about uh, how liberty brought prosperity. Uh, America had a name throughout Europe. We were famous as, in German, das Land des unbegrenzten Möglichkeiten, the land of boundless opportunities. It was normal for people in America to be born poor because even if you had a rich dad, uh, they would have like 10, 12 kids. So there was never but you had the money. opportunity not to stay poor. Right. Uh, and and the, the amazing thing is after you got your eight grades of education, after you spent your two or three years mastering a trade, uh, you had boundless opportunity. And it was normal for people who were poor uh, to become wealthy by their mid-20s, people who came here as indentured servants to become wealthy. And that wealth did not come from slavery in the free states like New Jersey. Uh, we were uh, founded by Quakers, where William Penn made it clear that anyone who had anything to do with the slave trade in New Jersey, who was a Quaker, was shunned by the community. Anyone who failed to pay a Native American a fair price for land was shunned by the community. And we were founded by Quakers, uh, the uh, not just the Summers family, the Smiths, the Leeds, the Risleys, the Skulls, the Lakes, uh, uh, the, the Leeds. Uh, th- that was what made America great. And, and there are a couple other things. So if you wanted to build a farm, Conifer if you want to make made a ship. Conifer Town. 
the Conovers, yes, <laughs> that, that was one of them. Yeah, I know. Uh, and and uh, <laughs> you didn't have to get a permit from the government to build a ship, uh, to open a store, to make a building, to build a dam. You bought the land, you did it. Uh, and uh, we hardly had any taxes. Uh, we, we have like four county officials. Uh, they're, they're called them constitutional officers. You had a judge to decide disputes. You had a sheriff to enforce the law. You had a county clerk to record the deeds. You had uh, a surrogate to take care of orphans and, and wills. That was your government. You would have freeholders, which was a, a word for landowner, would get together uh, to decide if you had to build a new building or build a new road. But you could not vote to spend government money unless you paid taxes, unless you own land. Why so, did that term have to get canceled? It got, it, it got canceled because uh, I don't think anyone wants to know that the idea that if you want to spend public money, you should pay for what you're spending. Uh, they, they want to take away the connection between getting something from the government and being responsible for how it gets paid for. They want a culture of, I want this, I'm entitled to this, but I want somebody else to pay for it. And that was just another little symbolism that they had to get rid was of. Was the smaller government a much better government? It, it was it, 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 absolutely. In other words, if, uh, it, just if you wanted to buy a, a fire truck, <laughs> a fire company, uh, you would pay for it and you'd know if you were paying a fair price. So, but, but that was uh, – there was a, an English historian called uh, Paul Johnson who said that, uh, that the America of Richard Summers was the least taxed country in all of human history. So you, you could do what you wanted to. Uh, and and you, there were virtually no taxes. So that's what why you had that prosperity. And that's where you also have the uh, something else about America, where the people say, well, "What about women? Women couldn't vote." Well, women could always vote in New Jersey until the, the Democrats took over under Andrew Jackson. It's, it's ironic, Jackson. isn't it? Once again, but 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 basically, uh, men and women did not see themselves as different uh, competing people. They were seen as families. You had a you had a shortage of women, a scarcity of women in America, tragically, because I think about 12 percent of all women died in childbirth yeah. before modern medicine. So uh, so women in America always had the opportunity to hold out for a, a husband who was already established. So you'd find your men getting married in their mid-20s uh, and your women uh, you know, you know, marrying who they chose to marry. And even though women did not have the vote, if you t read the letters of what they wrote, like Abigail Adams, uh, the, the family saw themselves as a unit. Uh, the husband physically cast the vote, but the two of them would decide, you know, what they wanted to That's do. That's a good as point. A, as they as they as were voting family. as a family. And, 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 the, and the proof of it is when the Democrats uh, got the right of women to vote in the 1920s, they expected this overwhelming Democratic vote in 1920, but it was a landslide victory for the Republicans because – People voted people, the same way they voted before. It was right. just one vote instead of two. They, they, and they said now, it, it just doubled the size of the vote. So that's a, a – was, was that also a time where generations of family members stayed together? Well, they didn't live together because, again, they had large families. Okay. So, so it, it, it's funny when did I they live about, near one another? Oh, though, to ab help? Ab absolutely. They, they lived and they helped each other, uh, grandparents and, and, and grandchildren. But if if you look at just what they call the Summers Mansion, 
which is where Richard Summers' great-grandfather lived, right by the circle in Summers Point. If you go there, uh, and he was a wealthy man. And in fact, I was criticized by saying, well, Richard Summers was part of the elite. How could you mention him as a typical American? Well, that, that typical American, the first floor of the mansion is the, the kitchen where the family cooked and ate their meals. The second floor was where mom and dad slept in the master bedroom. And then that, like, attic by the roof <laughs> was where the six kids slept until they were old enough to leave the home, which is another good reason why people wanted to uh, get out and earn their own living. But that's the America that we had. And, and it's, it's interesting when, when you see the uh, talk by Democrats, there's a need for reparations, uh, that America's wealth came from slavery. And one of the most remarkable books that I I always read a, a books as I prepare for the Richard Summers thing. Remarkable book written by a, a man called Frederick Douglass. Uh, he was a slave who grew up in Maryland. Mm. He escaped from slavery and he comes, goes to Massachusetts. And he writes, when I went to the free states, I was expecting poverty. Because growing up in the slave state of, uh, of uh, Maryland... Uh, the only people who had money were the handful of people who had slaves. So I didn't think you could have uh, make a living. When he gets to Massachusetts, he finds out that most of the people in Massachusetts are living far better than the slave owners. He's, he's, in fact, he remarks that one guy who took him in, who had been a slave seven years before, who escaped just like Frederick Douglass, was living better than, than the master who he escaped from. And he wow. said, I can't believe, he said, because uh, when you're in a free country, he said, everybody does the job they want to do. Uh, nobody's being whipped. Nobody's being chained. He said, we produced so much more as free men. It makes so we- much sense. But from his spectrum of observation, he needed to see it to grasp it. He, he, he said- would expect the opposite. But when you look at how free markets and just freedom operate – once you know that, the result, I think, and, is self-evident. And, and he's astonished. So you really yeah. appreciate the, what freedom offers. Let's get our break in so that we have a good 10 minutes uninterrupted with Seth Grossman, Executive Director of Liberty and Prosperity. We're talking about the uh, Richard Summers story. Back in just a little bit. Stay with us. Mark Levin. If we are relying on the Republican Party infrastructure and bureaucracy to crush the Democrats in November, we're not going to crush the Democrats in November. What made the difference last November in a state like Virginia was not the Republican Party. The Republican Party was irrelevant. Mitch McConnell was irrelevant. They were all irrelevant. It was the grassroots. Mark Levin, weeknights at 6 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. From the world's playground, this is Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And it's exactly 10 minutes before the top of the hour. Just as we said, we would have 10 minutes uninterrupted. Now, Seth and I have a rule, and I carry it forward uh, in the entire program, and is the Johnny Carson rule. Johnny Carson, you do know, Seth, he broke his rule one time. Oh, really? One time in his career, he let somebody in his dressing room before the show. I used to remember who it was. It was a comedian, a famous comedian. Could have been Don Rickles. I'll, I'll think of it sometime. But anyhow, so we have a rule. We don't talk about what we're going to talk about. 
because when you do it organically, it's better than, hey, and then, and then we're going to talk about this and we're going to talk about that. So we have a rule. We don't talk about what we're going to talk about. So I couldn't tell you that I was going to do this. The Hurley in the Morning Charity, and we've done this a number of times, as you know, over the years, is happy to give you this grant in the amount of $250. Well, thank you very much. It's going to be very well spent, and uh, we've already – actually, we've already spent it Good. <laughs> on the publicity. Happy to help. All right. Now let's get back to, to, to Richard Summers. So we were talking about this uh, liberty brought prosperity to America, and it did so many astonishing things. When people were free to basically build what you want to do, you had like uh, an uncle of Richard Summers, uh, James Summers, bought some swamp – uh, between uh, Linwood and Egg Harbor Township with his Patcon River. He builds a dam, drains the swamp, and not only is he a prosperous farmer, but he builds uh, a sawmill and a, a grain mill to, uh, to process the grain with the power of the uh, water flowing from the dam that he builds uh, to build the uh, Bargaintown Lake. So uh, you have this uh, uh, prosperity. You had like the Van Sant family. The Van Sand family that built all the lifeguard boats along the beach. Van Dyne. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. That was Van okay. Sand and Van Dyne. Okay. The, two, the, the two Dutch families okay. uh, were, were building those uh, uh, ships. And, and because you didn't need a license, because you didn't have a permit, because there were virtually no taxes, uh, those ships would uh, sail to, to England. They'd sail to France. Uh, but then they found out that they were they were selling it to the the English were just selling their stuff to the Italians and getting a markup on the price. So these Americans from New Jersey, from Massachusetts, from Maryland, they would sail directly to Italy, directly to Spain, directly to Barcelona, directly to Greece, directly to Egypt, and that's where they came in contact with the so-called Barbary pirates, uh, the, the pirates that were coming from. Uh, Tangiers, Algiers, Tripoli, Tunis. And it wasn't that they were pirates. It turns out that these uh, uh, kingdoms were the slave centers of the world. You had five kingdoms where the major industry was capturing people and selling them into slave, as, as slaves. The other, the fifth uh, city was called Zanzibar on the east coast of uh, Africa. And so for a thousand years, uh, ever since these cities had been conquered by the Arabs, the, the, you know, first it was the Islamic Arabs and it was the Islamic Turks. For a thousand years, that's how they made their living, capturing people and selling them as slaves throughout the Islamic world. And now you see why Richard Summers gets canceled, because you have to say Americans were sailing over the world. Now they're being captured and sold into slavery. Who is selling them? And why are they – who is attacking them? Who is capturing them? Who is selling them to slaves? And why are they doing it? So as soon as America became independent in 1783, we were no longer protected by the British Navy. We were no longer protected by the bribes that the British government had been paying to these uh, uh, Islamic uh, slave merchants for, for, um, uh, you know, for hundreds of years. So we were on our own and we were captured. And when American ships, we, we were getting these desperate letters from American sailors to their families. Please, you've got to bail us out. You've got to ransom us or they're going to sell us into a lifetime of slavery. And a lifetime of slavery in the Arab world uh, wasn't a very long life because uh, you were worked to death on a farm. You were worked to death uh, 
rowing uh, the, sli- the what they called the galleys. They actually had people um, you know, rowing the boats when the wind stopped blowing. Uh, the, the Barbary um, ships would, would sail because they had slave labor powering them. You make the case because they just routinely get referred to as pirates, Barbary pirates. But you, you don't maintain that at all, that they're pirates. They're altogether different. That, that was one of the stunning things I learned because a pirate is a criminal. A pirate is caught under the international law and executed immediately. The official term... Uh, is Corsair, C-O-R-S-A-I-R, which in English would be privateer. So all of these Barbary Corsairs had licenses to do what they did. So they were free to capture any ship and enslave any non-Muslim ship they could find and sell their crew into slavery as long as they paid their government uh, a 20% fee for doing it. So, and that had been going on for a thousand years. Uh, because under Islam, slavery was uh, was a virtue as long as you were enslaving non-believers. Uh, and again, that is really what ended the Roman – that's another whole story that that's really what ended the Roman Empire when, when these uh, uh, Islamic jihad really destroyed all commerce in the, in the Mediterranean Sea. Um, and, and ironically, when you had the Europeans got stronger and pushed back – and, and these uh, Barbary states could no longer capture as many slaves as they needed. That's when they went across the Sahara Desert and started mass enslavement of blacks. Uh, and, and, of course, that has been totally erased from history. But when you learn the Richard Summers story, you go into that. And that's another reason why Richard Summers has been canceled. So, um, Just over two minutes just to give you a time check. Okay. So, uh, all right. So, 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 so that's why even uh, – today like and that's that's why we had to make a choice with liberty and prosperity because we could have taught the sanitized history of richard summers he was a naval hero we we went to war against these barbary pirates we won't tell you why they attacked us of course they they told thomas jefferson and and, uh john adams why they attacked they said we believe in the prophet muhammad and he told us that it is our duty to attack and enslave the non-believer and uh, if we die while attacking the non-believer, then we gain eternity in paradise. Uh, we can't talk about that. Hmm. And, and so when you tell the Richard Summers story, uh, first of all, it's been completely erased. But what troubles me is even in Summers Point, when we were presenting our story, if you will go to the uh, – even though Sally Hastings, Greg Sakura, even though uh, – uh, the the uh, AMVETS, uh, Ken Blankenbuller have gone out of their way to help us with this event. You won't find us on the uh, S- Summers Point City event schedule or the Business Association or any of that because we're not allowed to tell the details of this story. Why? So, 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 so we had the choice, and you'll notice that when— Why can't you tell the details? Because you get canceled. They're politically incorrect. Uh, uh, you'll notice that when—, when uh, Another organization had an event to honor Richard Summers, which didn't mention uh, slavery, didn't mention uh, the pirates, didn't mention Islam. Uh, Front page coverage on the press of Atlantic City. Uh, All the dignitaries showed up with us. It's a much smaller group because we're, we're, we're telling the truth. But if we don't tell the truth, what's the point of telling the story? In fact, historically, it, it reminds me of Salman Rushdie, 
Uh, well, the but, lie becomes the truth if you don't <laughs> win the day. So what's the point of having a story about Richard Summers if you can't tell why he fought, why America was attacked, and what it took? And uh, the final point I forgot to mention in the Richard Summers story is Richard Summers uh, really helped create the United States Navy. And when we, when we had in Richard Summers, we won wars. And, uh, and we won wars because we did whatever it took to win the war, and we came back quickly. Every war we fought was over within four years and ended in victory. That's the military culture we've also The won. Navy became very weakened under Obama, and Trump has ramped it up a bit. There's work to be done in this area big time. Well, thank you. The hour has flown by, yeah, and no, if but- you want the rest of the story, show up at 3 o'clock on Sunday uh, at the Summers Point Park. Uh, on the 801 Shore Road. Thank you very much. LibertyandProsperity.com. All that uh, stuff is posted there in the events section. Good to visit with you, Seth. Have a good day. When we come back, he might be delayed a couple of minutes. I don't know if he's going to explain why. Uh, but if he is, he is. If he's not, coming up next is John Zarek. He will be here. It's a matter of what his exact ETA will be. And then Michael Harrison to close out the program. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a Town Square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. Welcome back. It's six minutes past the hour. It is Smart Law with John Zarek, presented by the law offices of John Zarek. John Zarek is the official and exclusive lead counsel for criminal defense legal matters for the Hurley in the Morning program. The law offices of John Zarek focuses their efforts on criminal defense law, their goal is to provide you and yours with the very best legal defense. Uh, if you're dealing with a situation, do not suffer in silence. Don't assume anything. Give John a call and sit down and review your situation. And then hopefully it is that you're an accidental tourist. But it'd be a very good idea to reach out to John and have that consultation. 609-641-2266, 609-641-2266 on the web at johnsarek.com. Counselor, welcome to your program. Good morning, Harry. Morning. Good to be here. Good to have you. You doing yeah. okay? Yeah. Everything all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, yeah, everything's everything's fine. I uh, just... First on an accident scene, uh, no serious injury. So just got the uh, lady who was driving the car and, and uh, calmed down and uh, got police on the scene. Everything's okay. So Good. Good, Good to hear. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's scary out there. It was actually, uh, I'm confident it was a... Uh, High-speed driver going the other way who wasn't paying attention, probably texting, um, swerved into her lane, um, and uh, she had a avert and hit a pole. So, wow. you know, unfortunate, but 
the and you know the person didn't stop. Certainly, they had to know it was an accident, but awful. That's the way it is. Yeah, awful. Hopefully, yeah. Ca- hopefully, cameras picked all it all right. up. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, please run the scene. So it's uh, you know things aren't getting any better out there in terms of uh, uh, as as I say talking joking typically but not really joking with uh, uh, police uh, or other personnel uh, who uh, say how are, how are things going John are you keeping busy that sort of thing and I uh, my response typically there's no wave of morality sweeping the county mm-hmm. you know? wow. <laughs> we're, we're very busy and likely to be very busy and as you know as uh there will be a turnaround but it's it's not here now you know there there are uh we as we have a deterioration of i i think essentially uh moral supportive activities right so there are always going to be good and bad people but without the proper support um, the the bad people get worse and also multiply, you know, because their their bad behavior impacts others, impacts their families, kids, you know, even grandkids. So we're right now we're producing uh, more and more what you would say are bad people, actually sick people, um, unknowingly immoral people, you know, just cruising through life, causing a lot of damage. And um, that doesn't seem to be, from from what I see, and I have a pretty good view uh, from the inside out, so to speak, uh, it doesn't seem to be changing. So really, really a serious problem. Uh, And, you know, you think think about that, John. I understand people make a decision at the moment of truth. Somebody that caused a crash had to know that somebody you know smacked into a pole and i don't know how you can just keep going you know i mean that is that is it is a degradation it's an evolutional societal type of um downgrade where uh in days gone by people would stop you'd you'd have to stop you'd want to make sure that everybody's okay not anymore now it's hey look i didn't touch the car uh, I'm just going to keep on going, you know, just maybe rationalize some twisted way that you didn't cause it or you had nothing to do with it. But it really does show kind of where we're at right now in history at this point of American history. And I'm with you, though. None of it's permanent. I watched um, a Jimmy Hoffa special last night. It wasn't new last night, but was new to me. And oh, my gosh, they were showing the violence in America when he was rising into power uh and we had a very calm period after that so for people that think that we're forever changed and sometimes i feel that way john but we've i mean look we came back from the civil war the country was literally ripped in half and killing each other killing each other we're we're getting concerned about tweets and and uh and facebook posts and instagram i mean we were killing each other so we can we can recover from this, can't we? Oh, absolutely. And I'm, 
I'm not saying it's going to always go in the wrong direction, but right now we're in a, a deteriorating situation. You know, I, I was, um, heard a, a priest, I happened to be at mass, um, not long ago. And, uh, the priest was asking for prayers for vocations for, for priests, for nuns, for brothers, um, to enter the religious life. And the six years ago, when this particular priest got out of the seminary, uh, there were 15 uh, priests in formation. So there were 15 young men who had committed to be priests, obviously living a spiritual, moral life. Um, and right now there are eight in that seminary. So in six years, it was cut in half. You know, which which is an indicator, a general indicator. People are uh, less religious, um, less committed to religious institutions uh, across the board. You know, Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, you name any uh, Muslim, anyone. There's less activity, less formal activity, uh, fewer religious schools. Um, you know, Catholic schools, for example, they did, and, and the, the same thing for, you know, Protestant religious schools like, uh, Mainland Baptist runs a school, uh, Pilgrim Academy. There were, um, a lot of, uh, there were and are a lot of schools that are active and have been active, but the general number of people attending those schools is down. Uh, because the, you know, the parents aren't religious. Um, they, you know, don't see the value very often in a religious education, although that's not a hundred percent true. A lot of people, you know, aren't very active as far as religion, but they, they see the value in, uh, a school like, uh, Our Lady Star of the Sea or, or others. Uh, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, Blessed Sacrament School uh, closed in Margate. It was a great, yeah. great school, uh, and that's what we're that's what we're seeing uh, across the board. We're seeing fewer um, activities, and it doesn't turn a child or a person into a saint to do those religious activities, to attend those schools, um, to go to church, synagogue mosque, whatever, but it doesn't hurt. I'll guarantee you that it at least, it at least lets the person know at a minimum that there's a right and there's a wrong, that there are a list of things that are wrong, that are going to get you in trouble. And there are a list of things, not criminal trouble necessarily, but, uh, that are going to get you into personal trouble and your family into trouble. There are a list of things that will do that and a list of things that will, um, if done, uh, will, and every every religion has those formal lists. In the, in the Catholic religion, it's the, you know, seven corporal works of mercy, seven spiritual works of mercy. There are things, essentially, the, the rule is do these things, feed the poor, uh, uh, clothe the naked, uh, visit the imprisoned, and that could be a broad sense in prison could be hospital, nursing homes, so forth, comfort the afflicted. Um, those kinds of things, 
are prescribed bury the dead you know support mm. people when they've lost someone uh, you know go to a viewing or a funeral even if you don't you even if you're not bosom buddies you know those types of things will benefit um certainly the community benefit you and and foster a sense of decency in you and your kids john break time we're going to come right back at 17 minutes past the hour smart law with john zarek continues presented by the law offices of john zarek with john i am early in the morning WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. When you need to know, it's WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We are back. It's uh, 20 minutes past the hour with John Zarek. I am early in the morning. This is Smart Law with John Zarek. Coming up after John, another exciting hour of programming. We love John's show, and I'm looking forward to today's 9 o'clock hour. Michael Harrison, who is the founder, the publisher, the editor of Talkers Magazine, which is the Bible of talk radio and the new talk media. Michael, I guess the year was 2021, if I'm not mistaken. But I'll have this all straight by the time we get to John. uh, We get to Michael. Um, I think the year was 2021. And Michael Harrison became a full-fledged band member of the group Gun Hill Road. And I think a lot of people that know the 70s music remember a song, Back When My Hair Was Short. Very catchy. I'm not going to sing it. But very catchy. It was a top, what was called Hot 100 then, not Billboard Hot 100, not Top 100. And Michael is a member of the band. He's been a spoken word vocalist now on two songs, one we played back in 2021, and we're going to share with you the new song. You'll be some of the first people to get to hear it. Uh, it's really good. And it's quite extraordinary that what a, um, that, I, I can't explain it, but I mean, I couldn't imagine. I love the Beatles. I love Chicago. Could you imagine, you know, being asked to join your favorite band? I mean, it's pretty, pretty neat stuff. John, time is yours. With Harry, so uh, along the along the lines of living a good life or or living a bad life, and and what it takes to do that, um, I uh, really want to mention uh, Napoleon Hill. Uh, he was uh, he was a I guess a follower, uh, an employee, almost uh, a. a student of Andrew Carnegie. Mm. Uh, he was Napoleon Hill was a young guy who was about to go to law school, start law school, and he was working for a publication. Grew up in West Virginia, poor, um, but smart and well-read and about to uh, advance into law school. And he was doing an interview with rich people, super successful people, uh, for a publication. And one of his interviews was with uh, was with Andrew Carnegie, who was actually was then and still is now uh, dollar for dollar the richest person that ever lived. Yeah. So who who made his money? Maybe maybe the shakes are sitting on top of trillions of dollars of oil. You could say they're richer, but 
I'm talking about people that started out with maybe not much or nothing or and in his case it was in Andrew Carnegie's case it was nothing he was a he a, a poor kid in Scotland his parents uh, did weaving when weaving was going out of business it was becoming wow. industrialized so and, and look John how he gave back that beautiful building in Atlantic City that Stockton uh put back in pristine condition the CRDA of course uh and Stockton was a very very great steward of it that Carnegie library which Stockton called the Carnegie Center. What a beautiful example of what Carnegie did. He did libraries like that around the country. Yep. A number of times, uh, actually, a number of times that building, um, it's at the base of Illinois. Well, it's at the Illinois and Pacific. I lo- you can't love an inanimate object, but I love that building. It is so beautiful. Uh, yeah, me too. There, there are a number of times I've been in the city and intentionally uh, driven to that spot. I do the, the same thing. The best time to do it is, yeah, the best time to do it is is first light. You know, as soon as you get, you know, there's in... in because the way that marble, everything shimmers off of it, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. I'm with you. It, it, the way that, yeah. I'm feeling you, John Zarek. Wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're on the same page. We are. But the way the uh, yeah, the the way the light hits it, there's you know in video production and movies, you always hear the movie star saying, you know, uh, you know it's a it's a tough grind. You say yeah, it's a tough grind. You're making fifty million dollars a picture or whatever they're getting paid. Uh, it's a tough grind. We're up at four in the morning uh, on the set and so forth. And you wonder like why, why, why are they up four in the morning? Well. In movie production, video production, there's a, a time called the golden hour, and that is from uh, a half hour before sunrise to, uh, which is light, a half hour before sunrise to a half hour after sunrise. So at that time, the light is is spectacular. <laughs> a lot of people don't get to see it. They don't get up that early, but... Uh, the light is pretty spectacular. Everything has sort of a, a rosy glow to it. It looks like it looks like a, a special scene in the movies, and so that um, and that's why those video and audio people, I mean video and movie people, are out there at four o'clock in the morning waiting for that first light because that's the hour when so many great shots can be had. And if you go to that air, that area. And I, I've done it a number of times. Go go to that Illinois and Pacific, and you look at that library at first light. You know, in that golden hour, it's spectacular. Yep, it's like a, it looks magical, and the shape of the building is beautiful, and the way it was designed, and the marble and the stone, everything is just fantastic. And it's also, if you've never been in it, I'm not sure exactly what they're going to be doing with it now. But um, if you've never been in there, God, it's a beautiful, beautiful building. And the restoration that was done by the CRDA, John, was just truly magnificent. Yeah, yeah. And it's and that so Carnegie donated that building, and he was, in fact, the richest man in the world. And um, he started out as a really impoverished little kid, 
came to the United States maybe when he was 10 or so, worked as a bobbin boy. You know those pictures? Yeah. Those photos you'll see in, you know, child labor uh, exposés about little kids working with a big, in a big loom situation. You know, just, just tiny kids working 12 hours a day, six days a week. Um, that's what he was, and he started out that way. And uh, he then he got a job as a messenger. Then he uh, learned a little bit about accounting. You know, he had someone who gave him some guidance. And uh, sooner or later, he caught the attention. He was a very hard worker and very smart, and he caught the attention of some wealthy people. And they gave him a little more responsibility and more and more and more. He became, um, you know, he, he became at one point, he became the, uh, the head of the railroads during the Civil War, mm. um, the effective head of the railroads. He ran the Northern Railroads because um, that was so important to the war off effort. And then essentially he put together in various pieces uh, United States Steel. It wasn't called United States Steel, but this was in the age of steel. You know, so he was he made a deal with uh, J.P. Morgan and that deal made him the richest man in the world. Um, and what he did, once he did that, he wanted to give back. He always had the goal to be the richest man in the world. I mean, he said, and then the plan was to give it all away. So he, of course, lived a good life while he was doing it. But then the, the plan was to give it all away. See if you agree with us, Sean. I think it's like a lot of things. George Washington set the standard that presidents would serve just two terms and leave. And that went on for the longest time until FDR broke it, uh, which is a shame. I would like to see there not even be the need for the uh, the amendment to limit it by the Constitution. But he broke it. And then, of course, the, the, the other party said, whoa, we can't let this happen again. So they change it. And then I think they wish they didn't because then there came opportunities where the other side could have kept it uh, a while longer and, of course, were term limited. But Carnegie, and I know this to be true unless you correct me. John, if you correct me, I will take this out of my vernacular. But Carnegie started the trend of giving it all away. And now you see Bill Gates doing it. Uh, and when they were married, Bill and Melinda Gates, they, they actually were leaving almost nothing to their children. Uh, Buffett giving it all away, and you could keep going. Uh, Carnegie started that, didn't he? I believe so. Yeah. I, 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 can't, I can't say that anyone – well, he, he was certainly the first richest man in the world yeah. to give it all away. Yeah. There's no question. I'm sure there are other people who were wealthy and, and gave their wealth away. But um, to the public and and uh, to good causes, but he was certainly the first richest man in the world to be recognized as such. And and when and, he started doing it, Bill Gates was the richest person in the world. When he said that that his, the rest of his life he's going to be giving it all away. Sure. Yeah. Hey, John, and we're they, at the halftime break. Don't go away. We're going to be right back. I, I love the show all the time. I'm really enjoying. This conversation this morning with John Zarek. I am Hurley in the morning. This is WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's number one news talk radio station. And let me promote something that um, you have an opportunity to be a part of. And, and it is very simple to do. 
you'll just go to their website at resortsac.com and you have an opportunity to go to the app and that will navigate you right to where you're going to go. That's the easiest way to do it. Uh, scratch the um, resortsac.com. Go to the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. You'll see the button, center cut, and then you have the opportunity to win an overnight stay and dinner for two at Resorts Casino Hotel in Atlantic City, the official and exclusive casino hotel for the Hurley in the Morning program. Back with John in just a moment. Powered by the all-new Bet Parks New Jersey Casino and Sportsbook app, BetParks.com. This is the Town Square New Jersey Info and Weather Network. And it's Harry Hurley with three stories that you can follow on our WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. History was made 40 years ago in Summers Point. It's a fun story. It's a, I think it's a great read, and you're going to love it. Check it out on the app. Atlantic City says goodbye to a great citizen and a former beloved Atlanta County employee. And he was sent off yesterday uh, with a packed New Hope Baptist Church. And another day, sadly, another shooting in Atlantic City. We'll be right back with John. From the Town Square, New Jersey, Info and Weather Network, I'm Chris Coleman for Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. On this first day of September, we're reminded that there isn't much summertime left. In fact, we're less than three weeks away from the sun setting before 7 o'clock. But for today, lots of sunshine, rather warm, a bit breezy with a high of 88. Clear tonight, refreshing with a low of 58. Sunshine returns for tomorrow and Saturday with highs both days around 86. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Join me this afternoon at 3. Now back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you, Sean. 37 minutes past the hour. John Zarek, time is yours. Yeah, Harry, we were talking about uh, Andrew Carnegie and uh, how much how rich he was and how he gave it all away. And uh, one of the things that he was very, very uh, strong about, very uh, enthusiastic about was giving away the, um, the ideas and secrets and principles that got him rich. You know, that, that how did he do it? You know, poor little kid and he becomes the richest guy in the world. So he got Napoleon Hill, as I said, was a young law student who was uh, interviewing him, and he uh, saw a spark in him. And he was telling Napoleon Hill the basics of his philosophy, which he was just starting to share at that time. And uh, he recruited Napoleon Hill, uh, who later wrote the book uh, Think and Grow Rich. He, He recruited Napoleon Hill to... Uh, study for a long time, I mean, maybe 10 years, him and his friends, and then uh, distill the uh, rules and behaviors and strategies that they used. And his friends were, you know, for example, Thomas Edison, Edison, um, Henry Ford, uh, the Vanderbilts, people in the United States, the most successful people. 
And uh, because of because Carnegie knew all these people, and in some cases played golf with them, uh, he he, won, he did a lot of business on the golf course, uh, like like uh, President Trump actually did a lot of business on the golf course, and Obama actually, and uh, just about every president. I don't think I can remember one that didn't, but he did. It's true, Eisenhower. You could keep going. Gerald Ford was a great golfer. Uh, I think Nixon was a golfer, too, maybe. Uh, you're right about George W. Bush was a good golfer. It almost seems like it goes with the with the job. Yeah, yeah. So he did, he knew all these people from golfing with them and socializing with them and doing business with them. So he was able to gain um, an entree uh, for Napoleon Hill to talk with them and to gather facts and information. So he did that maybe 10 years and then finally um, wrote the book and, you know, established a course and so forth where he laid that out. And one the first thing that um, Andrew Carnegie told Napoleon Hill was that the greatest uh, gift, the greatest gift that anyone has is the ability to use their own human mind to apply to their goals, their challenges, their problems. It's, it's the absolute greatest tool that we can have. You know, we, we, we have like nothing in the universe works like the human mind. Uh, it's, it's, you know, the way we can analyze, think, gather, set goals, execute goals, deal with problems. There's no machine around that can do that. And, so he made the point that if, you know, that was our greatest gift from God, he believed in God. The greatest gift from God was the ability to not only have a human mind, but to apply it to, to take control of it and use it for good purposes. Now, the reason I bring it up is because we see so much, um, misuse of the human mind right first of all impairing the human mind so we all have we all have to make a living we all have to deal with our families we all have to map out make make minor decisions and big decisions we all have uh things that call for thinking and deliberation and we have um you know the greatest tool in the universe to do that, you know, all we have to do is use our head. So what, why is that important to us now? It's important to us now because we have uh, a lot of, uh, we have a lot of people. In fact, I'd say the majority of society are doing everything they can to disable that greatest tool in the universe, disable their minds, right? You can disable it by drinking. You can, and the subsequent hangover and the su- subsequent dullness of mind that you get. You know, if you're if you're drinking, having a drinking problem, your mind is not going to be working very well. If you're having uh, a drug problem, you know, you're you're taking the greatest tool you have, a gift from God, and you're disabling it. It's like taking a new car and taking the, taking the tires off, taking the wheels off. You know, 
it's sitting there. It really could do a lot for you. It could get you places. It could make you comfortable. It could help you earn a living. It could do lots and lots of things. But the wheels are off. It's not going to. It's not going to do you any good. And that's what you know, we have in an ever ever increasing um, amount today in society. We have people with the greatest tool they known to man, the human mind which can solve problems, set goals, do great things, make good decisions. And what are we doing? We're taking the wheels off. You know, we're pouring sugar in the gas tank. It, it, you know, we're disabling that mind to the point where we're, you know, in many respects, and this is a lot of people, are, are living really not like human beings who have a mind to apply to these things, really living more like animals. Um, just reacting, you know, an animal reacts instinctively. You know, you poke, poke the animal, there's pain, they pull away. Uh, you give, you put something in front of them, uh, they gobble it up to the point of choking, right? They, they operate strictly on instinct. And when we disable our mind with alcohol, drugs, uh, video games, uh, addictions of various types, Food, sex, um, uh, greed, gambling, etc. What happens is we become uh, we become like those animals. We we become the the mind becomes disabled, and we want to just um, we not want to, but we do end up just reacting to things rather than applying our minds. So that's important for us to know today that. Um, and, and religion and spirituality and um, good works, and even religion in the sense of not necessarily believing God, but in the sense of humanism, where at least we're struggling to maintain a spiritual code. Some of us prefer, you know, the Judeo-Christian tradition. Uh, some of us prefer the Muslim pr- tradition. And some of us don't uh, believe in God at all, but still do their best to adhere to um, a humanistic code, some moral code. As I often say, the um, generally the Unitarians uh, don't believe in God, but they're in church every week. You know, if you go to the Unitarian church up. up in Galloway, you'll see that lots of people there every week faithfully, and they mm. do various activities and do things. They don't believe in God necessarily, but they know the value of religion, and they know it's good for them. John, hold it right there. We're going to be right back. 46 minutes past the hour. We'll have 10 minutes, just about, I think almost exactly 10 minutes with John uninterrupted when we come back. A reminder, you can get your entry in right now through the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 is giving you a chance to eat, play, and stay in Atlantic City. You can win an overnight stay at Resorts Casino Hotel in Atlantic City, along with dinner for two at Capriccio Italian Restaurant, the number one casino restaurant in America. That's USA Today, 10 best reader's choice. Enter now on the WPG Talk Radio app, brought to you by Atlantic City, NJ.com. Press and play to win big.
Go to the app. You can do it right now. With John Zarek, I am... Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Set the first button on your car radio for South Jersey's talk station. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. He gives you the best advice, doesn't he? He's very smart. Nine minutes before the top of the hour, uninterrupted. Until then, with John Zarek, Michael Harrison will join us right after uh, the top of the hour break. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Just get ready for that. It's going to be very, very different. I mean, a, a talk radio guy... Before that, a music radio guy uh, that is a member of a rock band. It's a cool story. Can't wait to tell it. John, time is yours. Well, Harry, uh, I'm not a member of a rock band, but <laughs> I, I, think... I love that. <laughs> and neither are you. No, but, no. Uh, heck no. But I, I, I think we're. I think we're about as happy as can be, you know. We're very, very, very blessed because we, uh, we like, we're doing what we like to do Yeah. in both cases. Well, we both married well, check. We both do what we love to do, check, so it's not work. And, uh, yeah, we're very blessed. Yeah, and it's just, it's a shame we have to sleep. That's I know. I look at it. Uh, well, I do, I, honestly, I sleep the minimum, as you know. Because I look at sleep, you need it, it, you know, if you're sick or you just need it so that you don't get sick. But I, I just believe in the, the bare minimum because I want to I want to pack as much life in as I can. You start to see these reports, John, of what portion of a person's life is just slept away. And it's it's extraordinary until you look at the number. You almost wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, we haven't been to the point where we don't need sleep. But uh, if I if 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 I do come back, who knows how it works? <laughs> but if I get another chance, uh, I'll check I'll check into the no sleep club if I can if I can do that. Well, but, you got to look at it. I mean, there are people that sleep half their life away, twelve hours a day. I look at that and I think, oh my goodness, the the, the productivity that's lost. What you could be doing. It would be amazing. So anyhow. Yeah. And we can we can look at why that happens. I mean, in, in, in many cases, that happens because people don't sleep well because they're doing things that prevent sleep. You know, if if they have, for example, if they're overusing caffeine, uh, some people don't use it at all. Uh, some people drink coffee all day long and maybe all night. Uh, that's not going to, when you hit the sack, that's not going to help very much, you know, no, that's not going to give you a very deep sleep. So again, it's, it's, it's sort of the, um, Carnegie idea, uh, that the greatest gift that he was given the, the secret of his success is, is, was really simply applying his mind to the, uh, goals and challenges that he had and problems that he had. Um, and you know, that is so, that is so important. Um, you know, it's almost like some people will be surprised to say to, if you tell them, um, that they have a mind, <laughs> by the way, you have a mind, you have a brain and you can decide what to use that for. You know, you can decide to keep it in good shape, keep it in bad shape. You can decide to 
you decide to uh, disable it by these activities, you know, alcohol, drugs, uh, video games, gambling, obsession, various obsessions, um, addictions, like all those things, um, you know, the, the, the seven deadly sins, pride, anger, envy, greed, lust, sloth, and gluttony, they're, they were developed, uh, those ideas. Um, now, a lot of people think they were God-given, that, that list. Uh, uh, they were, that was established by uh, St. Gregory the Great. Um, Protestants might say Gregory the Great, you know, they, they have a different idea of how they characterize different people, but he was uh, the leader of the church and in like the fourth, fourth and fifth century, third, fourth and fifth century, uh, the, the church struggled over that, you know, that to, to come out with that list, which essentially is a guideline of what not to do. Like, if you do these things, you will live a much worse life than if you don't do these things. Um, and, you know, when things are developed that way and survive that way throughout the years, it's really good to pay attention to, to that. Yeah. You know, you're not going to, you know, it's, it's like something is 2,000 years old in tradition. And really, a lot of those things started in... Um, in the Jewish tradition, which, uh, which, you know, has things like the Psalms, um, the, the Psalms, the, uh, Proverbs, uh, which is another good practice. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs and essentially, uh, you know, one for each day of the month. And essentially, if you, if you take five minutes to read one of those daily, it's training in how in in common sense it's training in using your head using your brain uh in not disabling your life for example uh uh a a wise man holds his tongue a fool runs at the mouth right um i tell guys once in a while i don't have many of my clients that go to go to jail or go to prison but once in a while it happens or um you know, they're having a tough time in prison or jail and my, my, their relatives will come to me and ask me to talk to them, visit them, help them, give guidance, whatever. And the one thing I, I always talk to them about that particular idea. And I say, looking around in your pod, in your group, in your area, who are the people that, who are the people that everyone listens to when they speak? You know, is it the people that are jabbering 24 hours a day? And there are a lot of those around in, in prison, you know, just jabbering fools, as it says in Proverbs, a fool runs at the mouth. Or is it the person that keeps his mouth shut 99.9% of the time and might say something once a week or once every two weeks that everybody f- listens to and everybody follows? And I'm not saying just for threat, uh, just because of a physical threat. There are, there are people in all walks of life who are able to influence others and they're not the jabbering fools, right? They're the people that deliberate about what they're going to say, prepare what they're going to say and don't waste their time, um, talking to people that don't have any inclination to do what's right in life or what's smart in life. 
So, um, you know, 30 seconds, John. Scripture. Yeah. Religion, scripture. All those things are very valuable to us. It, it behooves us to follow those guidelines and and not live a life where we're constantly disabling our minds and disabling our, our ability to cope with life and use our brains for the best benefit. John, as always, great to be with you. Really enjoyed uh, today's program so very much. Have a wonderful day, my friend. Thank you, Harry. You too. You're welcome. John was doing good deeds even before the most people's day began today. We didn't talk about it, but he was. Uh, well, we did briefly, just very, very briefly at the beginning. Michael Harrison is next. He is the founder, the editor and publisher of Talkers Magazine. And we're going to talk about some of the things that are very much uh, in the news and talk radio, but a whole lot more. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Because I'm a very blessed man and I know it. It is six minutes past the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to make talk radio history today. I kid you not. To quote the president, that's not hyperbole. Uh, I I had a little tease earlier uh, today, Michael, that tonight, if you were playing a drinking game for each time the president will say that's the truth or that's no hyperbole, uh, you'd be smashed. You'd be smashed by about the first five, ten minutes in. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Harrison is here. He's my friend. He is the founder, editor, and publisher of Talkers Magazine, the Bible of talk radio, and the new talk media. And did I say in the intro, founder, editor, and publisher of Talkers Magazine, and band member? What What did I just say? This is true. In a dream come true, Michael is also a band member of the musical group Gunhill Road. First, Michael joined a historic rock band, Gun Hill Road in 2020 was a very good year. Being invited to become a full-fledged member of the legendary band, who I promise you, if you haven't heard of the group by name, Gun Hill Road, you know the song, Back When My Hair Was Short, and I'm not Michael Harrison. I don't do vocals, so I will not sing it, but you know the song, and it was a Billboard Hot 100 hit back in June of 1973. During the COVID-19 era, and we played the songs Gun Hill Road recorded a parody back when we used to hug, which was fantastic to the um, to the whole vibe of back when my hair was short. Next, Michael actually wrote the lyrics for I Know You Are Real. It's part of the 13 New Tracks album, What Year Is This? That was Gun Hill Road's fourth album. Back in 2021, Michael performs as the lead spoken word vocalist. And the song that Michael wrote and recorded is a tribute to animal welfare. And back in 2021, we did uh, an interview with Michael and we played the entire song. But I urge you then and I urge you now, go to the video version because it's creative and it's awesome to watch as you listen to Michael uh, perform. 
Matthew Harrison co-directed the video. It's a very moving sensory experience. It's extremely well done. Today, we are going to review and play their newest song. And we'll get to that a little bit later in the interview. Uh, Very, very excited to be able to do this. And it is my pleasure to welcome Michael Harrison to the program. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Harry. I can't believe that introduction. My goodness, I I can't believe I'm me. (laughs) You you are definitely you, and I got to start right up front. All the other stuff, you've owned stations, you've programmed stations, you've programmed music stations, obviously your pedigree as the Babe Ruth of talk radio and the uh, three decades plus history of Talkers Magazine and all of that. What can you even process the fact that you are officially a full-fledged band member of Gun Hill Road? Is that is that a little hard to believe? It's very hard to believe. It's like suddenly finding out that uh, you're a member of uh, the New York Yankees. Or uh... <laughs> Michael, I said that this morning when I was plugging in the 6 o'clock hour. I said that line, and we don't – Michael and I just do this. We don't, we don't uh, plan anything like that. I said it would be like all of a sudden – being the starting shortstop of the New York Yankees. Like I, so tell us how it happened. Well, you know, it, it's interesting how um, these careers that you and I have in radio have afforded us so many opportunities to be part of uh, the colorful pop culture of the, the past decades. I go all the way back uh, to the 60s, and uh, in the early 70s, I was the morning host, like you're the morning host at WPG. I was the morning host at one of the, the great album rockers, one of the great FM rock stations that really set the stage for um, the transition from AM to FM radio for music and the early, early seeds of modern talk radio, because we used to talk a lot between the records and pull in all kinds of cultural things. And part of the thing about being the morning host on WNAW-FM in New York, uh, at the tender age of approximately 22 years old, was um, we got to play our own songs. We got to, we had a lot of latitude over what we put on the turntables. And one of my favorite bands was a local group um, out of New York called Gun Hill Road. And they had, they had wonderful songs back when my hair was short. They had a great song called 42nd Street, which was about uh, New York City. And um, uh, I played them all the time. And the first award I ever got from any rock band, I have I literally have hundreds of gold records over my career in terms of um, artists that I have helped their careers, you know, made them famous, broke their records, played them the first time. The first award I was from Gun Hill Road, a homemade, a homemade gold record, wow. and um, thanking me for playing 42nd Street. And I kept that record for years and years and years and years until it finally just crumbled because it was uh, an artifact. Moving ahead to, you know, 40 decades, 40 years later, four decades later, Gun Hill Road was still around and they came out with their third album called Every 40 Years. It was 40 years since their album before that. And still, basically, the band was intact. Not the entire original crew, but um, intact uh, for the most part. And I um, became very friendly with them again. Um, Was involved in uh, emceeing and hosting their reunion concert, which was a sellout event at the Bitter End, where I used to, the place I used to go as a 22-year-old DJ in New York. And uh, it led to the story that you told. So, yeah, there's something really 
um, surrealistic about being a member of a band that I played on the radio uh, almost 50 years ago. It is. It is absolutely just spectacular for all those reasons. And now I want to talk about something. When I said that we were going to make history today, this isn't like the the movie That Thing You Do. We don't have Saul Seiler and the, the Playtone Galaxy of Stars and and the way that you would go to stations and you know and and see people with cigars uh and and they would you know play your music and things like that uh Gunhill Road with the track that we're going to play the new song Idiots uh and that's from Gunhill Road's fifth album and uh the vocals by Michael Harrison you're going to hear them in the next segment after the break but this is a whole different approach because music isn't like it used to be uh how you promote it this is as far as i know michael one of the first ever if not the first ever efforts at a talk radio launch absolutely it's amazing this record was designed for airplay on talk radio because it's it doesn't fall into any kind of a easily um categorized genre it's not adult contemporary it's not rock rock and roll it has elements of big band it sounds in some ways like chicago um it um is a protest song it's um it it's a commentary song on our current society and it's very sharp-tongued at that so it because it because it deals with issues and because it is an amalgam of all different kinds of music and i got to tell you it is one of the catchiest songs you'll ever hear people say they hear it one time and it's in their head that's called an earworm yeah. it's in their head all day but the words are very provocative we decided we're going to design this song for talk radio and it's been played all over the country this week as as you're going to be playing it today it's not on in rotation where it's on every hour but we're not looking for that we're, we're just happy that it's being exposed and gun hill road believe it or not for for being an ancient band is one of the most modern bands in the world because it caters to a worldwide internet following it doesn't care that much about music radio or current charts it operates in that larger realm of the internet and um it's it's musical menu is all over the place from the big band era to um beatles-esque rock and roll to heavy metal to um uh, simon and garfunkel sounding type of things in other words it, it it's not you know hip-hop it's not dance music it's 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 more for the head and for people who really love music popular music so the whole thing is very modern very cutting edge and um yeah talk radio is the basic platform that this um this song is getting um attention i love it it's so special and i can't wait till our listeners have the opportunity to hear the song it's 16 minutes past the hour with michael harrison the founder the editor and publisher of talkers magazine and full-fledged band member of the musical group gun hill road with michael I am early in the morning. This is WPG Talk Radio 95.5 because of you. All because of you, South Jersey's number one news talk radio station. And a reminder, you do have an opportunity to uh, go to the app. And WPG Talk Radio 95.5 is giving you a chance to eat, play, and stay in Atlantic City. You can win an overnight stay 
at Resorts Casino Hotel in Atlantic City, Atlantic City's first casino hotel, the official, the exclusive casino hotel for the Hurley in the Morning program, and also dinner for two at Capriccio Italian Restaurant, who USA Today, Reader's Choice 10 Best, two years in a row, three out of four, uh, the readers have selected Capriccio as and the voters as the best casino restaurant in America. Enter to win now on the WPG Talk Radio app, brought to you by Atlantic City, NJ.com. Press and play to win. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Michael. I'm Harry. Sean Hannity. Democrats, they want to talk about Trump. They don't want to talk about Joe Biden, his failure in Afghanistan, 40-year high of inflation. They don't want to talk about the recession. They don't want to talk about this idiotic, imbecilic, absolutely destructive and dangerous Iranian deal to get oil from them because he's capitulated to the climate alarmist cultists in America. Sean Hannity, weekday afternoons at 3 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hi, it's Mark Levin. Join me this evening at 6. Now back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you very much. Welcome back. 21 minutes past the hour with the founder, the editor, and the publisher of Talkers Magazine, the Bible of Talk Radio and the New Talk Media. We are visiting with Michael Harrison, who on this occasion we're focusing in this part. We may talk a little bit about some of the issues towards the end of the hour, end of the program. But we're talking in this portion of our program with Michael about his standing as a full-fledged member of Gun Hill Road, the musical band, and Michael as a writer. Uh, We we talked to you about the song that Michael wrote on the fourth album. Now Michael has written uh, a song on the fifth album. Uh, The new song is titled Idiots, and it, it it is really good. It's really edgy. Uh, and it's just filled with truth, sort of like it's living uh, like it is. You know how we have these people that live uh, like it isn't. This, this song lives like it is. It's real. And I, I do think you're going to enjoy it. And we're looking forward to playing it for you a little bit later in this segment. We're going to set it up just for a little bit. But, Michael, um, you write, and I've often said this behind your back, you write very well. And you have written, my gosh, thousands and thousands and thousands of articles over the years and different things that you have written. You're now writing songs. Is that completely different from being a writer in some of the other senses? Well, writing songs is very different. Uh, And uh, I do want to mention that I am in a collaboration with the uh, other three members of the group, Steve Goldrich, Paul Reich, and Brian Coonan, uh, because the um, the idiot song that you're about to play is was a four a four person collaboration. But I did write the other all the lyrics too. I know you're real. They wrote the music to that. And um, songwriting is a combination of um, music and literature, um, taking into account poetry. But it's deeper than poetry. Poetry is a very, very sophisticated art form when it comes to um, literature. But writing song lyrics and writing a song, uh, uh, putting words and music together has endless possibilities in terms of uh, what you can draw upon and the combinations that you can create. And it could be very, very banal. It could be extremely silly and, and, and unsophisticated, or it can be tremendously nuanced. And um, I'm really enjoying exploring that. 
Um, the last, the last thing I want to do is write songs about the moon and the spoon and Joan. <laughs> you, you know, it, 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 it's very easy to do limericks or to just find words that rhyme. Finding words that rhyme is is one hundredth of it. For example, you know, we'll take Manhattan, the Bronx, and Staten Island too. I mean, think about you know uh, Lorenz Hart who wrote that. Um, think about that. <laughs> it, it it it's genius. Yes. And 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 the Beatles were known for for genius lyrics. So. Um, it, People should listen to songs that way. It, it just doesn't grow on a tree. It comes out of the human brain. And it's one of the marvelous things about um, this species known as Homo sapiens. Michael, Michael, that, that is a great accounting of writing uh, the, the lyrics. You also perform the lead spoken word as vocalist. How is that? Is that, is that a lot? Because you've, you've voiced, a, you've done a lot a voiceover. You've done commercials. You've done all kinds of things, narrated things. You did a beautiful intro for me a couple of years ago. Uh, you're really good at it, but this isn't that. This, again, just like writing the lyrics for a song, and as you say, a collaboration, but I'm just speaking to you. So when you write these lyrics, and as the lead spoken word vocalist, that's altogether different from any other type of broadcasting that you've done. Challenging as heck. I gotta tell you, first of all, I'm not a good singer. I never, I'm a good talker, but I'm not a good singer. And my whole life I've wondered, what is the difference between talking and singing? Why am I a good talker and why am I not a good singer? This has challenged me to push me to the limits of my ability to talk just on the borderline of breaking into song. Sort of Robert Preston in, um, you know, The Music Man, or Rex Harrison in My Fair Lady, or Zero Mostel in Fiddler on the Roof, where, where you're, you're, you're not just talking, you're, you're musically talking. It has a lilt to it, but you're not breaking out in song and hitting those high notes and those, those challenging things. So, um, I, again, these are, these are abstract uh, aspects of art that I'm uh, fascinated by and exploring as I do this. There's no easy answer to that. So, so yeah, I'm not a singer, but I do speak musically, <laughs> especially in this song, Idiots. Now, uh, Idiots is an advanced track from Gun Hill Road's forthcoming fifth album. The song is catchy. There's no doubt about it. I've listened to it many times. It's provocative, and it does pack the powerful punch that you're talking about. And right up front, we won't bury the lead. I mean, the title, Idiots, that's that's pretty. You don't forget that. It's pretty catchy. Where what what's the genesis of idiots by Gun Hill Road? Well, basically, the social commentary is that, and that widespread idiocy, the growth of widespread idiocy in America threatens this great nation's democracy, that, that, that it is a serious problem. You cannot have a functioning democracy uh, and, and count on the will of the people being good for the people if, in fact, the people don't know history, the people don't know what's going on, they, they are they are not plugged into the issues of the day, and uh, they are uh, concerned with narcissism, uh, hyper-consumerism, frivolous interests, digital era uh, addictions, and um, basically lack of character. So 
selfishness, greed, um, and and the word ignorance. So ignorance is a disease, and it's far more dangerous than the, the coronavirus. So that's what it's about. It's not about, you know, it's not la-di-da. This is a <laughs> is real not. serious commentary. And even though it's political, it's been uh, embraced by both the left and the right because both sides find that the idiots among them are embarrassing to their movements. Now, Matthew Harrison was really integral and I thought fabulous on the fourth album and the song that that you did that was so I thought so well done and an homage to um to animals uh it, it just extremely well done uh matthew is is doing similar duty because i encourage folks you're going to hear it today and we always talk about radio being the theater of the mind you're going to hear it but go to gunhillroadmusic.com gunhillroadmusic.com because it's an enhanced sensory experience when you can actually view the video and listen to the audio don't you agree michael there's no question the video takes it to an infinitely higher level. Um, there are images on the video that, that make the words pop and really tell you the story. And uh, even though I'm a big uh, advocate of the theater of the mind, this video is extraordinary. So, uh, yes, gunhillroadmusic.com. It's right there on the homepage. You just plug into it, and there's the video. But right now, certainly, I would uh, appreciate everybody having the opportunity to hear the song. Without a doubt, Michael, we're going to be right back after this. We'll comment after this. We're at 29 minutes past the hour with Michael Harrison. And again, do what Michael said, gunhillroadmusic.com, because it does enhance the entire experience when you listen and you watch the video at the same time. And Matthew, is he's a genius. He did such a great job uh, on the uh, the fourth album with uh, with Michael's spoken song lyrics because it isn't just speaking there's a cadence as a lead spoken word vocalist that was just very very evident in the fourth album and the um song i know you are real and it's catchy and boy this is too take a listen idiots by gun hill road Blaming others for their own damn lack of vision. They buy 
buy the crap that sold them from the merchants of division. Idiots talk among us. They're lazy, lazy, lazy. Idiots talk among us. Their speech is often hazy. Idiots talk among us. Never ceases to amaze me. Idiots talk among us. Drives me crazy, crazy, crazy. Right to the end, right to the end, your lead spoken word vocalist is there performing. Now, Michael, there's there's a thing in life where no one believes when they hear their voice recorded. Oh, my God, that's what I sound like, because obviously (laughs) you don't sound the way that you sound, uh, the way the ears and the whole human body work. So we're used to it because we've heard our shows and, you know, different interviews and things. But you just listen to you sing this particular song idiots by gun hill road what kind of experience is that like what what do you think about when you hear that i I think about how glad i am that i don't really try to sing it (laughs) in the traditional sense Uh, you can hear i take it right to the limit of talking it um and and we did not use any kind of a uh, computerized enhancement um that crazy part that's like napoleon the 14th we're coming to take me away i love it Uh, you know where i go Crazy, crazy, crazy. You just you did know, that. that. That's my, yeah, that's my voice. <laughs> the other thing I love, I have to say, Chicago's my favorite group. Beatles a close second. But I love the horns. I mean, it's it's really, it's, and, and when you pay attention to what's being said, I also watch the video, uh, which gave me a leg up uh, because you get to see uh, the, the great work that Matthew did. It, it is extremely well done. How long did it take you to write the song? 
we we wrote the song over. Uh, well, it's hard to say. You know, when when you actually sit down and write the song, uh, after you've thought it all out and the evolution of how you come to write it, it it, it took you know a, a couple of weeks to to pull it all together with some revisions. But the song was originally designed to be a, a very different song. It was a filler song for the album, and it was called Idioms. And it was about uh, figures of speech and how people misuse them. And um, when it was my turn to go over it, I said, hey, guys, we're missing an opportunity here. This, this could be a powerful social commentary by changing the name idioms to idiots. And we rewrote the whole song. And um, so it's hard to say how long it takes to write a song. Some great masterpieces have been written in 15 minutes. True. Uh, um, and then other songs, musicians carry it around with them for decades playing with the song. To try to and get it right. Finally, how tough was it, I'll call it, in the studio? How tough was it to get the finished product? Uh, well, uh, these guys are masters. Uh, Brian Coonan, who's uh, one of the newer members of the group, is a Broadway instrumentalist and a, a, a renowned um, craftsman when it comes to the technology of all of this. Um, it's been an ongoing process. It's been beautiful for the group because it, it marks the first time in years we've been able to get together. The last album was done completely by remote. Yes. Everybody had their own home studio, and it was being it was mixed in the, in the central place by by Brian. Um, studio work is an is an entire art form unto itself, and I mean the Beatles brought it to the point that they were unable to perform their songs on stage anymore. Plus, with all the screaming girls, you couldn't hear them. Uh, today, the technology of stagecraft is you can create some of these sounds on keyboards and have it pre-recorded and all that, and that's not considered to be a sin anymore. But um, going in the studio, and again, it's hard to explain. But it's a completely different experience than playing on stage. It's it's a it's a it's a coming together of technology, and instrumentation, and art. And by the way, if you don't get something right, you just can do another take. Michael, hold on. Let's get the break in. We're going to come right back. Much more on this, and we may pivot to a few issues of the day because certainly there's no shortage of them. With Michael Harrison, I am early in the morning. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins this afternoon at 1. Now, Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We are back. It's 41 minutes past the hour with Michael Harrison, the founder, the editor, and publisher of Talkers Magazine, and a full-fledged band member to Gun Hill Road. And I... I talked to my wife about this uh, as recently as yesterday because I mentioned we were doing this hour plus with Michael and what an honor uh, it is to share with our listeners uh, this this great song from their fifth album and and all of that and the first thing that Margie said Michael was how beautiful you and your bandmates are because we, we because of you I had the opportunity to meet them at the 40th reunion which I can't believe that seems like it was only a couple of years ago, but it's been a little more than that. Uh, and it's an honor to break bread with all of you uh, once a year when we're together in New York. And uh, Margie sent her best regards to you and the entire band. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you so much. So much indeed. Yeah, and, and by the way, to drop names, I've got Babe Ruth of Talk Radio, you know, in, well, I was going to say in my right channel, but he's really, he's in both channels. And then on my private cell phone is John Cafferty 
of John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band because they're doing something huge. They're doing two performances tomorrow. They'll do one in Summers Point on the beach, the beach stage that Carmen Murata and Nancy do such a great job with. That'll be a packed house. Then they get whisked out of there and they're going to perform tomorrow night right after the Summers Point concert in Atlantic City at Hard Rock Casino with Sylvester Stallone and Frank Stallone. And as you know, uh, Michael, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, John Cafferty is Eddie Wilson, but he's Eddie Wilson behind the curtain. So it's very, very cool. And uh, all music here, all love. And uh, that's a great band, too, by the way, Michael. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. They are. They can play. They sound like they sound like the E Street Band on steroids, you know. Riddle me this, Michael, before we get into the whole idiocy factor, because it's very real. In fact, we'll take this to our uh, to our break, and then we'll come back and talk about the idiocy factor. But I didn't invent this, but I observe it. The saxophone player for John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band is eighty two years old, and he looks sixty. They played last night in Atlantic City at what is called Kennedy Plaza on the boardwalk in Atlantic City, right out front of historic boardwalk hall. That's a, that's the first uh, venue of its kind. Now they're on the outside, but the inside is the first venue of its kind that had Edison reinforced concrete. So you did not have obstructed seats. You actually, they could have concrete and, and not need pillars and columns and things like that. So that that's pretty historic. They're out there playing. They played, now, Toons is Michael Toons and Toons, who is the greatest saxophone player probably in America. Uh, and you could probably remove the word probably. You, you have a guy that's 82 and played last night in the elements for two and a half hours. I mean, to, to great delight to those in attendance. Cafferty himself is 72. So there is something about it's, I think it's a combination award here, Michael, and I'll get your take. Then we'll get the break in. If you do what you love to do, you're not really working. So there's something, I think, to be said for that. And you want to keep it going. And you love keeping it going. You love the music. So you keep going. And age, I've always talked about this. There's biological and chronological age. You see people that are 80 that look 50 and 60. And you see people 50 and 60 that look 70 and 80. So that I don't I don't care about the number. It's how many miles are on the, on the tires. The other thing is, I think this is proven. Music, conductors, people that do this kind of work seem to live long lives. So there must be something that we can't really get our arms around that exists. Do you, do you believe in what I'm saying? I believe that music and humor are, are both extremely um, uh, therapeutic. Um, and and can contribute to longevity. Um, a good laugh, or um, uh, singing in the shower, or playing an instrument, or just listening to music and feeling it deep within your soul uh, is definitely therapeutic. As to the statistics of whether musicians live longer than people who who get their kicks in other ways, I can't say for sure. But I certainly do believe that it, it's a contributing factor to longevity. Yeah, I do. Also, I think. It, yeah, go ahead. 
Also, the post-war baby boomers are probably the hippest generation of the last hundred years. Uh, maybe the greatest generation was better than that. But um, uh, the musicians of the 60s, 70s, and 80s that are still playing today are among the best pop musicians in the world. It's no longer a stigma to be a 70- or 80-year musician. Uh, if anything, it's a bit of honor. Yeah. Look at the look at the story made appearing at the, New- the Newport Folk Festival. Um, not only old but infirm and she rose to the occasion and you know tore everybody's heart out with her incredible performance of um, both sides now yep true we're gonna come right back he is michael harrison and this is early in the morning wpg talk radio 95.5 fm and 1450 a.m wpgg atlantic city wenjhd3 millville a town square media station what if i told you your home movies are already past their prime it's true the magnetic tape used in vhs and camcorder tapes only lasts between 10 to 20 years which means your baby's first steps weddings and family vacations are fading away as we speak Digitizing your old media with Legacy Box stops this fading process in its tracks. And by preserving your recordings, they're safe forever. Legacy Box is simply the best way to preserve your past, which is why they've been trusted by over one million families. Your memories are meant to be shared, not chewed up by the VCR or worn away with time. For a limited time, you can convert your tapes to digital for just $9 a tape. There's never been a better time to convert your entire collection. That includes film reels and photos, too. Visit LegacyBox.com slash now to get our $9 sale. That's LegacyBox.com slash now to unlock our $9 offer. LegacyBox.com slash now. Download every Hurley in the Morning program as a podcast on the WPG Talk Radio app. Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. This is a very special interview with Michael Harrison, the the founder, the editor and publisher of Talkers Magazine and a full-fledged member of the musical group Gun Hill Road. And you have to think about it. I mean, they have a what was called then you hear sometimes like top 100 and this was Billboard top hit top 100 hit uh, hot rather uh list and uh it's big it's big and this this era of gun hill road is big the fourth album was great can i can't wait uh to have the entire fifth album and it's been very cool to be able to uh to have this special time with michael and i treat that with steve paul and brian as well uh on the occasion of being able to share this bonus track uh, that uh, we were able to do just a little bit ago. And if you missed it, check it on the podcast a little bit later today. So not lost on me, Michael, is uh, I think it was the perfect course correction when you went from idiom to idiots because right now I, I just think we are going through a period in American history that will be written about. And you've, you're telling the story in both the spoken word and, and also in, in music and lyrics and the video as well that accompanies it so so incredibly well. Uh, we have idiots on steroids times infinity going on right now. <laughs> we do. And when you think about the potential of the human of the human brain, the human mind, um, the depth of the human soul and spirit, it really is embarrassing and shameful that such a large uh, segment of our population chooses to be idiots. 
Um, I'm not talking about people who have mental deficiency, and I'm certainly not talking about everybody, and I'm not talking about the people listening to this broadcast, because idiots would not be listening to a show like yours. Correct. So it's a, it's a self-selective group. Thank you. But by and large, it, wherever you go, and everybody says this, I can't believe how stupid people are. And, and we see it on so many levels, and I, I don't pull any punches about it. I find ignorance to be a, a terrible threat to our democracy. I mean, you've you got to have confidence in your fellow citizen that they know the issues, they know history, they know how the government works, they know who their representatives are. This is a responsibility. I mean, we're able to, we're able to see the, the furthest depths of the universe with, with our technology. We're sending, we're sending another ship uh, to go around the moon. Look at the things that the human brain is capable of. of. Why do some people choose to be morons? And, and, and it is a choice. And it has nothing to do with left. It has nothing to do with right, red or blue, Republican, Democrat. That, those are secondary to just the fact that dumbness seems to be growing. And among many people, and I hate to say this, particularly young people, being stupid is a badge of honor. They actually strive to be unsophisticated and not to push themselves. And, and one of the reasons for that is our school systems lack discipline. It's too touchy-feely. Uh, this whole woke movement has gotten out of control. Um, political correctness stands in the way of critical thinking. Um, there, uh, hyper um, narcissistic consumerism, frivolous ideas, and a general uh, detachment from the things that connect us as a society. All of these things are playing a role in dumbing down America. Michael, did, did the work on the fourth album and the song I Know You Are Real, was that at all helpful in terms of the fifth album and the new song that we played, Idiots? If, if any artistic individual or group um, is alive and, and functioning, then everything you do becomes another step in your own education and experience. So absolutely, um, the, the, the fourth album uh, was, was not only a great result of many decades of music for these guys, but it also was a learning uh, experience for the fifth album. And um, that's what makes Gun Hill Road so exciting. It's both an old group and every time they go in the studio or sit down in front of the, the computer to write something, it's a new group. Yeah, what's old is new. Exactly. Well, that doesn't always happen. A lot of people are merchants of nostalgia yeah. where they where they specifically don't want to evolve. That's not happening with these guys. Oh, there's no, there's no question. I also think that and we 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 did talk it up. The musical first aspect of Gun Hill Road, releasing it and promoting it on talk radio. Now that you've done a bit of this, what's your thoughts in terms because obviously music isn't like it used to be so that means you have to get creative you have to think about different ways you know to get the music out what what's your uh, early read on on the uh, decision to make this a talk radio type launch well, the talk radio launch is also a message. It's it's uh, and, and it emanates from me um, uh, that uh, it's a commentary on the state of music and music radio today. You know, I came up through music radio. As a matter of fact, I, I invented the notion that there's a talk radio industry uh, before um, I got involved in all that uh, with the development of Talkers Magazine 32 years ago. Talk radio was a sidebar. Talk show hosts were 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 a sideshow to to disc jockeys and music radio and music radio was the 
the beat of of culture. Young people got their 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 connection to popular culture and to their own generation through music. Music was what talk radio is now. People like Dylan, uh, message music, um, uh, protest music, um, uh, cerebral music that, that you know uh, explored all the different dimensions of, of the human condition internally and externally. That's not happening anymore. And part of, you know, I'm very disappointed in music radio. I, 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 I think it's a, a tragedy that the music industry no longer even needs music radio to to promote and um, have people discover new music so um what was that first song on mtv video killed the the radio or something like that well what happened when mtv suddenly came along record companies stopped signing artists that didn't that weren't pretty that didn't make a good visual and when you did that you cut out about 80 percent of the great music because you know if you not only not only do you have to be a great musician but you also have to look great uh, <laughs> one of the great audio media that we have in the human condition is music, yeah. and to suddenly turn it into something that's a visual medium, uh, it, it really, record companies stopped signing people that were uh, really good musicians, but not necessarily yeah. dancers yeah. or have big bouncing booties. You, you raise a very good point. I had a conversation with a group the other day, and I talked about some of the greatest actors in Hollywood history they wouldn't make it today. I mean, they, they don't look great. We accept them as great actors, but they probably, unless you had some character role where it would be okay, it would be completely different. And some of the greatest of all time probably wouldn't make it today. Edward G. Robinson, maybe, and some others that came to my mind the other day. Uh, let's, in the five, six minutes that we have, let's talk about um, your other platforms Obviously, Talkers Magazine, Talkers.com. You have the Michael Harrison podcast. You have the Michael Harrison rap. Tell our listeners what's going on. Well, I'll tell you, we're going through a tremendously uh, tumultuous period. Uh, basically, I would say the, the, the ground upon which all this change that we're experiencing sociologically, politically, um, and culturally is based upon the fact that our communications technology is accelerating at a rate we've never, to use a Trump expression, like we've never seen. <laughs> it's changing at a rate like we've never seen before. that well. Uh, it's where where the world is different every day it's not even every year or or decade every single day the world is changing and the basis of that change is communications technology it's re wiring our brains, our nervous systems, how we think, how we communicate, and thus what we are. And that's the basis of a lot of the problems that we have um, uh, during this particular era. Uh, it, it, socially, politically, economically, it, it seems like the world is coming apart and that yeah. we're off the rails. I do believe this is just growing pains. I do believe that it's going to stabilize. Yes. Soon, and that we're going to go into a period it's like coming out of a storm cloud and suddenly blue skies. I believe we have wonderful times ahead, and it's going to happen instantaneously within the next year or two. I am so happy you said that because there are some people who believe that you, you, you know, we've crossed the Rubicon, uh, whatever you want to call it. 
uh, and you can't go back. You can't stuff the genie back in the bottle. But I reminded people we had the Civil War. I mean, we were killing each other. Now it's it's tweets and 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 things like that. Uh, I mean, Americans were killing each other. Uh, and we came back and, and we had peace and we had some tumultuous years and we had peace again. I was looking at a timeline around the time Jimmy Hoffa came of age, very violent time in America, not just Chicago, very violent time, 60s, very turbulent time. Then we had some very uh, calm years. And, and obviously this is a time of tumult. And, and, and definitely I, I mentioned to uh, to Michael recently on his show uh, that I'm very concerned about all these shootings right here in Atlantic City. I mean, it's it's like seems like it's every other day, Se- three this week. If you start Sunday as your beginning of the week, three uh, before the end of Wednesday. So there's a lot going on right now. But like our guest right before you and my good friend John Zarek, who was complimenting you, by the way, to me just a little bit ago, John mentioned the same thing that we're talking about, that this is now – but this is not forever. It will not be like this. Uh, and it can't be like this for much longer. It's, 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 it's too over the top. It's too costly. It's over the top, and the pendulum always swings. Yep. You've got to understand that the pendulum will swing. What's happening now won't be what's happening tomorrow. It could get worse. It could get better. But it's going to change. And um, I, I think it's going to change for the better based upon my own personal instincts and study of the pendulum. You know, that, that uh, you know. Now, part of it will be, Michael, gas prices are going to have to come down. Energy in, in general, because it's, I think it's going to be a tough winter for a lot of people. Uh, I, I saw a statistic that was startling, something like 20, not 20 million people, 20 million homes are way behind on just their electric bill, big time behind. Now, of course, during the pandemic, you couldn't shut people's power off. So a lot of people just stopped paying. But 20 million, Michael, that's a lot of people. It's a lot of households. I, I think I think um, rather than looking at it from the standpoint that prices are going to come down, what I think is going to happen is new innovations are going to suddenly become evident that will create um, historic uh, levels of new wealth. We have to create wealth. That's the whole thing. That's well, yeah, if you create wealth, then it really doesn't matter what the price is, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We have to think uh, aggressively, productively, positively. And it also goes back to what we were talking about before. People are Got to get on the you know on the ball. They got to get smart. They can't. We, we we can't afford in our society to have people being idiots on purpose. If you choose to be an idiot, you are going to fall behind because information and intelligence will be ruling the day going forward. So what's wrong with that? Oh, well, we got to we got to expect a lot of each other. We we can't coddle each other and do touchy feely. We have to we have to be disciplined. I don't mean disciplined with a stick or a whip. I mean disciplined the same way you're disciplined in how you learned your broadcasting skills. Disciplined in how you learned to play the violin. Disciplined how Serena will. Williams learned how to play tennis. Mm. The, we have to be willing to work yeah. at things. Good story there, by the way. I, I watched a little bit last night. Shouldn't have been up, but I was. And I really enjoyed seeing the uh, the, the whole vibe of uh, Serena being the number two player in the world in what will be her last uh competitive tennis it's pretty cool let me give a plug and michael give you an opportunity in the minute and a half that we have because our mutual friend brian kilmead who as you know lets me fill in from time to time uh, he's going to just swipe the microphone out of my hand in about 90 seconds idiots is an advanced track 
from Gun Hill Road's forthcoming fifth album. That's Steve, mm-hmm. Paul, Brian, and Michael. You can listen to it right now at GunHillRoadMusic.com. If you want to check out our podcast later today, uh, just go on the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. Click on podcast and you'll click on my name and it'll be right there. And you'll have the opportunity to listen to the full interview with Michael, which I consider this, Michael, a special interview that we've had. Uh, thank you. A special event for me as well. Always talking to you. You are one of the best broadcasters of the entire history of radio. I know that sounds like hyperbole, but um, I think you're a fabulous broadcaster, and it's always an honor to be on your show. Well, you know, I feel the same towards you, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show this week, which the folks here will be able to listen to this weekend. Michael, uh, on behalf of your whole bandmates, Steve, Paul, and Brian, this is a privilege to present you and the new song and the new album. Uh, Have a great day, and let's keep in touch, my friend. Thank you. Michael Harrison, uh, obviously very, very well known in talk radio circles as the founder, the editor, and the publisher of Talkers Magazine, but also a full-fledged band member of the fabulous musical group Gunhill Road. Have a great day. We turn it now over to Brian Kilmeade. I'll see you on the digital platform on the app and back here in 19 hours and 54 minutes. But who's counting? I'm Hurley in the morning. Here's Brian.